What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. This is Real Reality Realness with Sean Ellis Rogers, the podcast where I, your host, Sean, dive deeper into reality television than most people watching feel is necessary and replace stand culture with the protocol of the Human Resources Department. Join me five days a week as I dissect your favorite shows while getting to know my favorite content creators and personalities through their connections to reality TV. Lock in while I clock in, because we are about to get into it. Welcome and welcome back to the show. This is Real Reality Realness. I am Sean Ellis Rogers and I put the mess in the message. I am so excited to have this person on the show today. They are a co-host of Bro Chat as well as The Wine Up, being the creator of The Ladder, mind you. And I cannot (laughs) wait to get to know them better. Ladies, gentlemen, and every gender or lack thereof in between, join me in welcoming to the show, Alexis Maurice. Alexis, how are you feeling? I am feeling great, and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> I am feeling fantastic. I'm a little, got a little cold or whatever, but luckily I don't feel bad along with the cold, so I'm looking just, but other than that, great. Christmas was great, family's great, everything was just great, and I'm doing fantastic as well. How about you? I am feeling good, I am feeling great, I am feeling grateful I'll say that that's really what my feeling has been recently I've just been overwhelmed with gratefulness I've just been happy I've been optimistic so you know I'm ready for the new year me too like you know it's it's this time of the year is always kind of nostalgic so even from Thanksgiving up to this point I'm I'm with you it's just been a a season of gratitude a season of thankfulness a season of just acknowledging how blessed we are and all that good stuff so I'm ready for the new year as well, too. Ready to, you know, jump into it. I'm ready, you know, to just walk into all of the blessings, the blessings that the Lord has for me. Hello. Of course, in 2023. And I look, you know, hope for the same thing for you as well uh, in the new year. Amen and a lady. Amen, Amen and a lady. That's the collection okay. plate. Hallelujah. <laughs> Both of them from each side <laughs> of the church. And we put yes. the usher board to work around here. <laughs> Now, I am going to start this off with the question that I like to start off every interview with. It's my very brown sugar, Sydney um, question. Okay. When did you fall in love with reality TV? Oh, when did I fall in love with reality television? Um, Television, darling. Yes, I think, and I I think I'm about to show my age or whatever, because a lot of people don't believe how old I am. But I well, I project myself older, so you're in a safe space. Okay, fantastic. So I think I fell in love with reality TV back with the real world when the real world was off in the beginning and really like, um, you know, coming up. I just found the idea of 
you know, I forgot how many people you see, but whatever perfect strangers coming together to live in a house <laughs> without any room, you know, that whole little spiel, that. Like, I was just so fascinated with the fact that people who did not know each other decided to just up and leave school, their job, or whatever it was, to go live in a house with a whole bunch of people who they don't know. Um, and so, you know, back then, I just thought that was just so cool. And then you had, of course, Flavor of Love. You know, that was when we moved into the whole ridiculous era of um, reality TV. But I loved it because, of course, everyone loves New York. Um, but yeah, it, it was the real world. I, I just fell in love with that. And I could, I always, in the back of my mind, was like, Maurice, could you do something like that? Yeah, you could. And then I thought about how, like, meticulous and anal I am about bathrooms and stuff like that. And I probably would have been the one going off, turning up on everyone about living, leaving piss and stuff like that on the toilet. So it was the real world for me. That's when I um, fell in love with reality TV. And also how, I, you know, even to this particular point today, like I grew up watching the soap operas. So for me, it was The Young and the Restless. It was The Bold and the Beautiful. It was As the World Turns. And a little bit of gala light or whatever. But, you know, so I was a CBS baby. So as Andy always says, the Real Housewives is basically like a modern day real life soap opera. So I always look at, you know, the whole Real Housewives franchise like I'm watching The Young and the Restless, a Nikki Newman, um, you know, or a Stephanie right. Forrester or something like that. So that's, I fell in love with reality television through the real world. That is a more common answer than you think, especially okay. when this show, you're on okay. the perfect show. You're right <laughs> in the perfect age group. Okay, perfect. The real world comes on, the real world comes up very often on this show. Okay, <laughs> okay, great. And I always say, you know, I love the real world for y'all. I do love the real world for y'all. Shout out to y'all. But I was a road rule baby. Oh, so, okay. okay. Showing my age right along with you. Um, <laughs> I, so like, so like I was a road rules baby. Like I love the road like 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 I love the real world for y'all, but I'm still waiting on the reboot of Road Rules so that I can audition. Like I would do it today. Listen, that sounds like see you need to do the road rules reboot along with I think you would probably like of course the amazing race as well too. Do, do you watch that show? Absolutely. I would okay, love right. to do it. I don't know if I could pull together an entire team right. to go on a show. Because I'm very, you know, like, reclusive like that. But if they would just put me on a team with some people... Oh, absolutely. And, and you know what? You know... So, like, with the Road Rules... Some- I used to watch Road Rules, but I wasn't as committed to it as I was in the real world. And mainly because, like, with the Road Rules, like, you had them... Like, they used to be doing some extreme stuff. And just the idea of living in an RV or, you know, how they used to be on the road sometimes and just doing, yeah. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can go, you know, I, I, I can't do that, Sean. I just, no, nah, <laughs> I need to have, I need to be committed to knowing where my bed is going to be every night or whatever the case may be, that I can take a hot shower or whatever. That's that's just me. I need, I, I maybe it's the bougie shot of me just a little bit, but the road rules thing, it was cool. I watched it. But I just I'm not gonna shade you for it, girl. I just, you know, now that you've confirmed that I can't call you to be on my team during the reboot, I just go on oh, to no. the next person in my in my DM. <laughs> go on over to the next on person. This. 
Nah, go to the next person in your address book because I can't handle that. I can't handle that, friend. Because listen, but see, I'm that type of person. Like, I was like the alternative athlete growing up. Like, like I didn't do like football, basketball. I was more like the dancer. I was the cheerleader. I was the gotcha. skateboarder. I was the rollerblader. Like, I was the brink and the rocket power kid. <laughs> so like, I loved all of that stuff. Like, like. I, I wanted to do the American Ninja. I wanted to do all of those shows growing up. Gotcha. Like Road Rules was just my thing. Plus, gotcha. with me, plus with me being a minimalist, like I love tiny houses. I love tricked out RVs. I, I love when like people turn like school buses into tiny homes. So I could totally do that. I just don't know how I would fare living in that type of environment with like. 10 other people mm -hmm. that's the part that is a test of the will right mm -hmm. so that's where you gonna get all of the reality tv foolery and fuckery yes right there see that's the part see. where you know i'm i'm maurice to many to a lot of people maurice and mo but then you're gonna get that on tv you're gonna get the lexus come out when you put me in those <laughs> type of situations <laughs> that's when the lexus is gonna come out and it's it is very, very unlikely. You have no idea what you're gonna get with the Lexus step into the room. So I totally get where you're coming from with that. With that. <laughs> How do you think? Like, so well, they they were doing the real world again. Like they had that couple of seasons on Facebook Watch. I don't know if they did more than one or not, but I know they did at least one season on Facebook Watch. Do Do you think we would be seeing you on the real world at least? Since you know y'all in one place, y'all ain't gotta go nowhere. Y'all got an assigned bed with air conditioning and a roof and shelter <laughs> and things and a refrigerator with working appliances and plugs. So you know what? This is the thing. I, the the real world reboot that they did on Facebook Watch, I did not watch it. Um, I wasn't I committed to sure. it, uh, but I have been committed, of course, to um, some of the reboots that they. Had, I guess you could say revisiting some of the people. Mm -hmm. So you remember you had Tammy Roman when you know her her season kind of came homecoming back together and great. did it all over again, the homecomings. So, you know, I, I guess, I don't think, you know, how I am today, I don't think I would be able to do something like that. Well, may, maybe if it was a more age-appropriate group. I can't mm -hmm. see myself living in the house with a bunch of 20-somethings. I just, that's just not Fair. me. I, I'm setting myself up for failure for doing something like that. But if it Hello. was a more, even though I could get down with the get down, or whatever, but you know, I just can't see myself just sitting around talking and you know shooting the shit with a bunch of. I I just don't know how that would go. But if it was a more age appropriate group, then that's a different story, or whatever. I, I could possibly exactly do how that would go. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly how that would go. It would be them teaching you about all the newest rappers with the stupidest <laughs> names, and you would be learning a whole bunch of TikTok dances that you never gonna do in real life. Right. Right, exactly. It will go and, just and, like that. Right, it, it's it, it's funny that you say, well, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna keep it 100 with you. So yeah, like recently, I went somewhere with a friend and you know, we was like, we gonna go over to, you know, this person's house. These are some of the people who I hang out with. So I went over there, right? And then when I walked in, I was just like- They were doing the cuphead challenge. Listen, it took me back <laughs> to when I was sometimes in college or whatever and like we would go over to some people's houses and you know you had the house kids who were there and i was just like oh my god i felt like i was instantly transferred back teleported back to when i was like 20 years old and how we used to be out all night 
or whatever, going to the club, going to a party, then we going, you know, to the club, to the mix up in Charlotte, and then afterwards we're going over, Ew. you know, to the after-hour spot in someone's house, and bitch, I look up, it's 7 o'clock in the damn morning. I need to get back to campus because my ass got an 8 o'clock class, you know, in the morning and stuff like that. So it kind of took me back to that. So I could see me doing something like that with the real world. If I was doing the real world today, I see it'll mm-hmm. be just like that. I feel like a damn zombie sitting in the room with the kids. But it's always a key, though. It's always a key. So I could probably see you on something like a college hill. Like, if they didn't yeah. it with, like, reality stars, I could see yeah. you, like, on, on, like, a college hill. Because that would right. be nasty, like, to do, like, uh, like, like um, do a graduate season and bring like like the alumni the colleges go. back to the school and you like had them come back and do an alumni season. See, you better pitch. You better pitch. She's an aspiring producer. She in these yes. streets. You know I'm out here. You know I'm out here in these streets. Let's right. just say that twenty. Let's just say that 2023 is the year of seven, and yes. it's looking out to already going to be a great year for me. A fantastic. So, the, the divine number absolutely I'm here for you with that yes I agree love walking into the year counting blessings thank you there you go thank you and hallelujah exactly. pull it pull it reach up and grab it reach up and grab it <laughs> I love this club seven child I love to reach for a star okay well, I love to reach for a star listen you we grown over here girl. my main audience is like between 25 and 60 okay like like I'm in like like because the battle between the 25 to 35 and then the 35 to like 40, 50, they're mm-hmm. so close to each other that I just yeah. want them together. Yeah, yeah. And that's the way to do it. I would agree. That yeah. Just kind of, because they, they understand, they get the references and all of that good stuff like that. So It's very grown, folks. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, the reason why I don't understand the TikTok test challenges, right? Especially when people are doing like all these cuffing challenges and like uh-huh. all of this stuff, it reminds me of like when nobody wanted to do the electric slide at the family mm-hmm. reunion. Yeah, like when nobody wanted to do the cupid shuffle at the family reunion, but all of a sudden <laughs> y'all want to pull all y'all coworkers at your job to do this mess <laughs> on TikTok. Listen, the comfort challenge is the co-workers at the job. You got the people doing the same comfort challenges now. You got the little kids doing the comfort challenge. And here's the funny thing. Like, I have participated in probably, by now, maybe like four or five comfort challenges. And guess what? Bless your none heart. Of them, none of them, none of them have been posted or seen the light of day. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Listen, wow. it's a bunch of old But you know what? We do it. We get, like I said, I get out there and I can, you know, I can dance and I can do all of those things. But it's just like when I see the, like when I see all of these challenges on social media, right? I see them like, oh my God, this is funny. This is good. We got to do this. We got to do this. And so when it's time for us to actually do it, Sean, none of us like, oh, never mind. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm like, oh, I don't already ate. I yeah. don't know it. I didn't learn it. I didn't watch it. I see it. I enjoy my looking at it. Or whatever. I enjoy looking at them, and I participated in some of them. But every challenge that you know, maybe my group of friends or some of us have done, we've never posted them. And I don't know. I guess maybe we don't want to look ridiculous, even though I know they look good. But we just never do it. We just never, never do it. And TikTok, I love watching TikTok, but just participating in the whole TikTok thing, I just don't. I don't really get down like that. I had an era with TikTok, and then I just never went back. Like, I had an era in 2020 
peak lockdown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was on the road with my husband. He had just started driving trucks, and I was okay. on the road with him for the time. So I didn't have shit fuck to do but look out the window and look at TikTok and make them. <laughs> so I, so I had a real era with TikTok. Uh-huh. Like I had a good strong y'all, y'all had me for six months, right? Uh-huh. And then I just, I don't know what happened. I just walked away and I never looked back. Right. And I can't. Like I have the app on my phone and I can't mm-hmm. open it. Like I won't even sign in. Oh gosh. But yeah, I I I am I I am on TikTok. I watch TikTok. I may upload a reel or something that I've put on Instagram or Facebook. I'll periodically go in there and upload the TikTok. Um, but I, I will say this. I am a little bit, you know, when when you talk about like your plans and stuff like that for 2023 I will admit I have put it on my little plan my little vision board that I'm working on to be a little bit more intentional about you know kind of being a little bit more active on TikTok um not to do it so I can be like you know cool like the young kids or whatever the case I'm talking like I'm damn 60 years old but anywho um I'm the same way I'm 31 and I project myself as 55 so I get it I'm 39 and I'm about to be 40 in March or whatever. Word. So, you know, I, it's just one of those things where I kind of want to get a little bit more involved in it because I know more people are on it. And with me wanting to grow my audience and stuff like that in 2023, I know I need to do it. So I'm a little bit more committed to it, but I'm not going to be on here acting like I'm 19 years old. I'm going to be, you know, the 40 year old guy that I will be. And I'm going to be talking about 40 year old grown people shit or whatever but I am going to be a little bit more committed to it so I haven't had my era or face like you had but you know we'll see what happens as we go into 2023 we'll see yeah see I love my TikTok era because I didn't really know shit about TikTok I didn't uh-huh. know shit about TikTok like I was just doing dances to popular songs like like I was just freestyling to a whole gotcha. bunch of songs like I didn't know nothing about dance challenges or learning choreography or doing these uh-huh. TikTok dances. I didn't know nothing about that. I just was like, oh, this song is popular. Let me do a freestyle. To it. And I was just freestyling the shit. I was gotcha. doing a whole bunch of NeNe Leaks TikToks. Like, <laughs> for some reason, the girls love a NeNe Leaks TikTok back of in the course. day. I don't know what the girls are giving now, but they love the white refrigerator TikTok back in the just naive. You oh, know. Oh, the, oh, the other one. The ghetto. The ghetto. The ghetto. <laughs> yes. Like, girl, put your shoes on. Let's let 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 let's go find you a home. Alright. I, I, I miss I miss seeing Nini on our screens. I have a love-hate relationship with Nini. Sometimes I like her, sometimes I don't. But overall, she's great television and I just miss seeing her on the screen. I'm right there with you on that. I, yeah. I have a very hint. I have a very ambivalent relationship with Nene Lee because I love her as a personality. I just feel like she just be wasting her time doing a whole bunch of shit that don't really matter. <laughs> that don't really matter? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but y'all can refer back to my YouTube video where I spend 30 minutes giving Nene Leak a list of ideas of better things she could be doing with her time. You gave Nene some notes. On the internet. You, gave you know, I something. gave her some notes. Some <laughs> some constructive criticism, right? You know, yeah. I gave her just a little piece. You know, I gave her just a little piece. You know, a little love, right? You know, some some um some aunties would say tough love, if you will, mm-hmm. right? But you know, 
Shout out to Lanithia and them. Shout out to Lanithia Leaks. Lanithia Nini Leaks. We love you, girl. <laughs> right. Do you remember the episode, the season, or the moment that you knew that you had to like create content about reality TV? Um, the moment that I remember that I needed to create content for reality TV, you know what? Um, I don't really remember the moment because even with like with when I was doing or when I was consistently doing the wind up back in the day, it was more so of a hot topics kind of thing. Um, but I think I knew that I needed to start talking about reality television sort of kind of it, it involves Nene not directly though but when Portia took that little um that little thing out of Kenya smashed it out of Kenya's hand and she pulled her hair or whatever mm-hmm. I knew at that particular moment I had to talk about it because you know I'm just I'm I'm just really I'm I'm all for the shade I'm all for the fun you know, I'm all for the debating and I'm very, very big on using your words or whatever. To when you right. got to get to the point where you have to become physical or violent with someone, when you're in a reading match or whatever the case may be, I just I'm just not a fan of those types of things. Now for a content creator, we love it because we can talk about it for days. But Hello. for me, it was just, you know, I was like, okay, y'all, come on. We got to do better. We got to get to the point where we can use our words when we're debating. And if you feel like you can't use your words, the best thing for you is just to step out of the room or remove yourself from that particular situation. So I can kind of remember like, you know what? Let me talk about this. Let's talk about this because everybody felt that, of course, Portia was justified because Kenya took the little, um, I, what is that thing she had to spat? I keep this at us. What is it? Scepter. 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 I keep saying spatula child. But Scepter, uh-huh. and, she, and she kept, you know, putting it down that particular, you know, pointing it at her. I just felt like she wasn't doing anything threatening. It was entertaining. Just like uh-huh. Kenya had the fan, the pre- you know, that her first year on there. Right. It was a cute little prop. But some people uh-huh. felt that she was violating. She was crossing the line. She was invading her space. And w- what I got upset about Sean was I just mm-hmm. kind of felt like it was somewhat of a double standard that because people didn't like Kenya or whatever, then they, you know, they felt that it was justified. But I felt like if it was like, if if Nene was doing it, then it wouldn't have been no problem. People wouldn't have been upset about it or whatever the case. It would have but been it, across the board. There you go. That's what I'm saying. It would have been a funny moment from Lanithia Nene leaks or whatever. Everybody would have been fine with it. So Nene has entered say, the building. There you go. There you go. And so I just felt like, you know, I had to say something. I know it's a little late in the game, but yeah, that's that's basically, you know, when I kind of felt like, okay, maybe I need to start talking and maybe I need to give a different perspective or whatever. And hence, you know, how I've been kind of talking about reality television and things of that particular nature since then. And of course, you know, my involvement with BroChat has enabled and helped me to kind of um, look at you know reality TV as, as from a wider perspective as well too. All right, so let's jump back to the windup really quick and then jump into Brochag. Because tell me about the windup and all of that. How did you and Trey 
come together for that. Shout out to him. And where is that now? Yes. So what's up, Trey? Shout out to Trey, just like you said, Sean. So um, I started the lineup. Um, and it, so both Trey and I both lived in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time. Trey was actually- Hey, a, shout out to North CAC. I'm from Fayetteville. Yes, Ooh. North Cackalacky. Yes. Oh, you, you used to live in Fayetteville? Uh, well, I'm from Fayetteville. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. Military town. Fayetteville. Yes, God. Two things. Listen, off the record, though, <laughs> just, to, just to step away from a second. There's this buffet up there in Fayetteville. I forgot the name of it. One of my friends used to be stationed in Fayetteville, so we used to go up there sometimes. But there's this buffet up there that has the most amazing food or whatever. I cannot remember the name of it, but... I, I, I'm, I'm gonna text my friend in a few minutes. I'm gonna tell him to tell me who it is. You probably know. But anywho, um, Trey and I used to live um, in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time. He was a friend of my cousin, uh, JT. And he came over one day and then like, we just started talking about stuff, like hot topics, current events. And in my mind, I've always wanted to do a show where I'm kind of talking about those things. Uh, but I kind of felt like, you know, Trey and I met and we had some chemistry and Trey's an actor. Um, and so he wanted to get and do something like that. So I was like, well, why don't we get together and we, you know, come together and talk about it on camera and see how it goes. And he was like, okay, cool, let's do it. And that's as simple as it was. Now back then, Sean, um, the wind-up used to be called Hollywood Happenings or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we talked about, you know, all of the things that were going down, the hot topics in Hollywood. But it was, you know, I learned an early, early lesson back in the day that you know if you're going to do something like that especially content creating get your paperwork get your name secure your trade like get all of that stuff together because what ended up happening was i think me and trey had done maybe like a year and a half worth of episodes and then i started getting um some communications from a outlet out in hollywood who went by the name of hollywood happens and i think what happened was our our audience was growing so at the time that people started looking i think they started reaching out to them looking for us or whatever and so they didn't like that and it wasn't like it was a huge outlet it was just like a little in my opinion a little hillbilly you know outlet trying to do things out there in hollywood and they weren't you know it wasn't hitting on anything but guess what they had the rights to the name so right. me and Trey ended up having to, of course, change the name. I went through the proper channels at that time to, before we even started using it. Um, and then, you know, the, the wind-up was birthed out of Hollywood Happenings. Um, so that's sort of kind of how, it, you know, the origin story. And we, you know, me and Trey first started shooting on an iPad. My, I had an iPad and my cousin used to hold the iPad for us while we sat there and talked for like an hour at a time, if not more. Um, but it was it was around the era when we really started being committed to it. Do you remember when uh, Destiny's Child um, was doing the Super Bowl, that year that they did the Super Bowl? That's Absolutely. The, yeah, that's the year where really things really started, you know, taking off for us. Um, and so that's where the Hollywood Happenings slash the wind-up came from. Um, Trey ended up moving to Atlanta eventually, um, which, you know, it became back then Zoom and, you know, all of that stuff wasn't big, Skype and Zoom. So we would have to get together whenever he came back into town or when I came to visit Atlanta. Then eventually I moved to Atlanta 
Um, and we started doing the wind up and things of that particular nature again. Um, and it was kind of an on and off, you know, on and off again. Then um, I went through a period in my life where, you know, I kind of, um, you know, had some struggles or whatever mentally. And, you know, I had some things happen in my life. So it kind of took the back burner. But then we came back or whatever. And, you know, we've been on and off. We're on the off season now. We're picking back up in January. But um, it's just, you know, when, 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 what I would tell people, especially content creators, don't stop. Regardless of what's going on with you, don't stop or whatever, because even when you're struggling, sometimes if you share that struggles, it could be therapeutic for you, but also it could be something where, you know, you can look back and you've created some of the best content during some of those particular times. So, you know, I would just always tell people to just don't stop, continue doing what you're doing, because sometimes it's hard to jump back in when you stop doing it for, for such a long period of time. But that's sort of kind of the history a little bit with the lineup. Nice. What do you think the key to your synergy is with Trey? Congrats on the new season, by the way. Trey and I, thank you. Trey and I are yin and yang. Like Mm. I see things one way, and he see he sees things completely different. um, A lot of times, like Trey and I, very suddenly really agree on the same thing, even our approach to certain things. And I think you know through the years, I think that synergy has sort of kind of worked for us. Because it gives two different perspectives. No one wants to watch a show, Sean, where everyone who's on the show agrees and thinks the exact same. Like you want to have um, opposing, you know, points of views to to look at things from a different perspective or challenge people to look at it from, you know, my point of view. And I think for so many years, that's what has worked for Trey and I. Um, is the fact that, you know, he sees things a little bit different. I think both of us are very honest and raw in a lot of ways as well, too. And I think that's what's important, right? When people are watching something, they want to get the real. They don't want to see a um, a, a very curated experience. They want to hear the stuff that, you know, that they really want to hear, the get down, the get down, the cursing, you know, all of that stuff. People want to hear those things or whatever. They want to listen to something that they feel real or that they can identify with. And so I think for Trey and I, that's what has worked for so many years. It's just that, you know, both we are both two different people and we stand in our truths and we stand in who we are. But I think, you know, we kind of represent different people in the world. And I think that's what has worked for the both of us so long. I love that. Do you have a wine of choice? Do I have a wine of choice? <laughs> so, um, yes, I do. <laughs> and you said that like several, bitch, several. <laughs> it is. It is. It's very, very true. But I will be honest with you. My wine of choice is the Cabernet Sauvignon, and the particular Word. brand that it is. I, I love red wines very dry. I'm not a sweet wine drinker at all. Um, because if I'm drinking wine, I want it to get the job done. You hear me? I want okay. to feel something when I drink the wine. I don't want to drink wine and feel like glitters and balloons and, you know, sweet tarts and stuff. I want to feel something when I drink it. So, the cab, I'm a big cab person. And it's this it's this brand. And it's not expensive. It's very cheap, actually. But it's called Rex Goliath or whatever okay. it's a it's a big big bottle of red wine 
it's very very cheap i think maybe you know 10 12 you know somewhere between 10 and 15 dollars or whatever but it gets the job i got it as a christmas gift a couple of years ago and i was like what is this or whatever because you know i'm you know thinking of a kendall jackson or something like that but i got it i tasted it and i fell in love instantly so i always have a bottle of rick's goliath cab in my house whenever someone comes over so that's my wine choice I love that. I yeah. love that for you. I, you said I like to feel something when I drink, because and and red wine is the perfect choice today. Because I've drink, I've drunk wet red wine a few times, uh-huh. and it literally just tastes like alcohol and dirt. <laughs> and like uh, it, it tastes like alcohol and dirt. Like. Yeah. Like, it's like if you want to, like, if you don't drink hard liquor, but you want to mm-hmm. feel like you're drinking hard liquor, right. drink red wine. Yes. Or, or go get you a bottle of Taylor Port. Taylor Port would definitely, it's, Taylor Port is used primarily for cooking. But if you want some wine that's on the level of liquor, go get you some Taylor Port wine. It's a red wine. It's very, very strong. Uh, because like I said, it's, it's primarily, you port wines are primarily used for cooking. But go get you a bottle of Taylor Port. If if you if you don't have no liquor or what the liquor store is closed, go to some place that sells some Taylor Port and you'll be just fine. It's strong, but it gets the job done. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Shout out to all the wine drinkers. Send Shout Mo out some love and some green. Yes, send send Mo some green hearts and let them know thank you for yeah. the wine suggestion. Yes, some go all of the winos go taste it. Most of them will probably already know, especially about the Taylor Port. But yeah, I, they I, all I'm gonna be like, yeah. <laughs> Do you approach the wine up any differently than you approach Brochad, or is the POV kind of similar? Yeah, I do approach um, the wine up differently than I approach the Brochad, um, primarily because the wine up is my baby. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing um, a lot more of the prep work as well as the post-production of it as well, too, because I do sure. all of the, you know, editing and um, all of the advertisements, you know, the promos and stuff for the wine up. So I definitely approach it differently because I definitely, you know, anytime, whether it's Rotat or the wine up, I definitely want to know what I'm talking about. So spending the time to do the, um, you know, the investigation and the preparation for it, studying for it, absolutely. Um, and, and just overall, you know, the wind-up is more of a hot topics, you know, kind of platform where we're discussing not only, you know, reality television, but we're talking about politics. You know, we're talking about, you know, um, headline news and things of those particular, you know, that particular perspective. So um, I'm, I'm very, very um, serious and I take it very serious when it comes to preparation, how I approach it. And mainly even with the lineup, because of the fact that you're dealing with news and hot topics, like I only pull headlines, um, Sean, from credible sources, you know, so okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a communications major, broadcasting major when I was in college. So, you know, in a sense, I do consider myself a journalist, even, you know, because where I do professionally work too, um, I do work in the, you know, the television um, realm. So I approach it very, very seriously. And I only, you know, cite um, stories or talk about stories from credible sources. Now with BroChat, you know, BroChat, we don't always pull um, content from credible sources because you got blogs and you got blogs and you got 
all kind of stuff out there or whatever mm-hmm. and our job you know it's of course when we do talk about things allegedly 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 <laughs> or whatever but you know in the reality television world you got stuff coming from everywhere so sometimes it's credible sometimes it is incredible um but you know i so to answer your question yes i kind of approach it very 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 differently um, but you know, ultimately, I still approach both of them with the same sense of professionalism and things of that particular nature. I get that. Mm-hmm. How did you come to join Bro Chad? Um, so, Mitch, of course, you know, Mitch Kimbrough shout out to Mitch is the face of Bro Chad. Bro Chad is his baby. Um, and you know, I'm pretty sure you are probably aware that there's been you know some variations of the show i think we're on bro chat 2.0 or 3.0 at this particular point (laughs) um but mitch actually used to be a watcher or is a watcher but he was originally introduced to me through the wine slash hollywood happens back in the day um so he was a, a fan he watched um you know mitch used to comment you know dm us and talk to us um, all of that good stuff like that. So that's when, um, you know, how I originally met Mitch. Um, and, you know, like I said, you know, wind up slash Hollywood happenings, you know, we would have off seasons and things of that particular nature. And so Mitch hit me up maybe around this time last year, um, a little bit before then, probably, you know, November of last year. And he was like, hey, I'm bringing Bro Chat back. And, you know, I, I see that, you know, right now you guys are on the off time with the lineup. And would you be interested in joining? And I was like, um, I have been thinking, Sean, about getting back out there, but I wasn't 100% sure. And I was like, well, yeah, let's go ahead and see how it goes. So Mitch, you know, brought me on. Um, and we've been doing Bro Chat consistently for um, about a year now or whatever. Um, we're taking a break now, you know, um, we just recorded our last episode, I think, last week. Um, okay. And then we'll pick back up sometime in January. Um, but that's how I became a part of Bro Chat. Mitch was originally, um, you know, a watcher of Hollywood Happening slash the lineup. And we, you know, kind of forged a relationship, you know, you know, through all of that, um, getting to know each other, you know, one um, content creator to another content creator. And when he decided that he wanted to bring Bro Chat back, he brought me on as one of the co-hosts. So that's how that story, how we became to know each other. I love that. How does your experience, how was the experience for you being in a cast of four to five versus being in a dynamic duo? How did those experiences (laughs) differ for you? (laughs) It differs because with the one-up, like with with it just being Trey and I, you know, we have to be very intentional about carrying the show. Um, you know, just between the two of us, like you know, it's just us, so we got to make sure that both of us are kind of pulling our weight and carrying our part. With That's Bro right. Chat, Sean, it's a little different because of the fact that it's just not two people. Duh, you know, it's four <laughs> people. Well, you know, it, it's going to be five people because we're going to be. Um, announcing, you know, two new co-hosts soon, but nice. um, it's it's one of those things where um, <laughs> you have to learn. I, I think the difference is with BroChat. If you're not passionate about it, or if you don't feel a ways about it, there's no need for you to really say anything on it. Like you That's know, so with 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 
with the lineup, you know, like I said, me and Trey, we have to constantly talk, 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 be engaged with each other, keep it entertaining. But with bro chat or when you're a part of any type of panel show, you know, you can lean into other people's strengths more. So, you know, if Mitch is stronger on this particular subject or he really feels a way or if Gallo or if Josh um, is, you know, they feel a certain type of way about it, lean into them and allow them to give them that moment where you're not, you know, constantly trying to jump in on every single conversation. You know, when you're when you're on a panel show, if you don't feel the ways that you don't have a strong opinion about it, that's okay. Allow the other right. people who do have that opinion or who have something to say about it, let them say what they need to say. So I think that's, you know, kind of the difference of how you approach, you know, the difference in approaching those two different shows. What's been the best part of your bro chat experience so far? Um, I think the, the best part of the bro chat experience is one connecting with, you know, other like-minded creators, um, content creators, um, and just, you know, the, the best part I would have to say is just, you know, engaging with the, the viewers or engaging with the audience. Like I, I can talk all day. Like you, you give me a, a subject or whatever, you can put it in front of me. We can talk about it. We can debate about it all of that good stuff. But I love to see other people engage with us and, you know, share their perspectives or share their opinions about a subject matter or maybe something that we said um, that they agreed with or didn't agree with. I just kind of enjoy, you know, the audience and the viewer interaction, you know, between all of us. I think that's what I enjoy the most about it. But um, I also kind of like the fact that it is a panel show. So, you know, you're getting different perspectives. Um, You know, it it challenges me to look at things differently as well, too. Because if Mitch feels this way or he has a different opinion or Gallo or Josh or whomever, like, it it challenges me to look at, well, you know what? I never thought about it that way. I'm saying thing that happens with Trey, but when you have a, a group of four to five people, like you're getting multiple or different types of perspectives. And I always love to hear, you know, what other people are thinking, um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because sometimes it can get ugly and sometimes people, you know, really take offense. Like, I know for a fact, this episode hasn't come out yet, but Mitch is kind of, it's on the cutting room floor right now. But um, I had some things to say about a certain, um, something with um, Salt Lake City that I know mm-hmm. people are probably going to be pissed off with me about my opinion. But, you mm-hmm. know, hopefully some people agree with me. And if they don't, that's fine. It's my perspective. And that's how I feel. And that's how I see right. things. You don't have to agree with me, but that's just my perspective. So, you know, and, and I think a lot of times when you're dealing with talking about reality TV, people have to understand that, like, this is my opinion. This is how I feel. You have your opinion. This is how you feel. We got to learn how to respect each other. We are not going to agree all of the time. We're not going to agree all the time. But you just have to learn how to, you know, to be respectful of it. And hopefully in your delivery, your communication, Sean, you can challenge someone to look at something a little bit different or whatever. And that whether that's good, that's bad, or the ugly piece of it. So, yeah. 10 million percent. Now, I know that the bro chat is, like, primarily focused on, like, housewives and, you know, the Bravo fandom and, you know, that, that type of, well, well, the Bravo experience and that type of stuff. 
Mm-hmm. How has the Bravo fandom embraced you and subsequently embraced the lineup after being engaged in what is a um interesting fan base to say the least? <laughs> definitely, definitely interesting. I feel that um the I, I feel that the reality television Bravo world has really received Brochat very well. Like I said, this is a, you know, this is a reboot of Brochat. Um, so it's a different cast of characters in a sense. Um, but I think that they have embraced us. I think, um, you know, Mitch bringing on Gallo, um, Josh and I represent a different perspective. Um, sure. And I think, you know, we're not as um, catty as some of the people in the housewives or the Bravo world um, can actually be. Um, I think we can sit down and have mature conversations um, with each other and, um, you know, debate them and it not get disrespectful or anything like that. And then we move on. Um, So I think people like seeing stuff like that. I'm not sliding any of the other hosts, you know, in the past or whatever the case may be. But I think in this variation of it, I think we can really sit down and have healthier debates and, you know, just to kind of give you like a, a heads up on what's coming up for Bro Chat in 2023. We're still going to, you know, keep to the Bravo world, but we're okay. actually going to expand a little bit of, you know, some of our content to talk about some of those headlines or when, you know, reality TV world, when the Bravo world intersects with real life things or whatever, or real life headlines, things of that particular nature. So we're going to be kind of talking about some more of those types of things in 2023. But I think overall, they've received us well. And as a result, I think some of those, um, you know, some of our fans and some of our audience from the Bro Chat world come over to the lineup. Uh, because of the fact that I think they can get a little bit more an unfiltered version of Alexis Maurice or whatever. Because, <laughs> you know, on Bro Chat, you know, we don't curse. We don't do any of that stuff. Uh, we try to keep it PG-13. Uh, but with the lineup, the lineup definitely has an MA rating. So we going to cuss. Right. We going to drink. We gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes we've even smoked, if I'm not mistaken, maybe once or twice on the lineup. So you're going to get Word. the real raw no condoms or whatever you know type of yes, on the sure. lineup or whatever but but with bro chat it is we, we are going to keep it a little bit pg-13 because we do recognize that you know even you know there are some younger people who do subscribe to the whole you know housewife world just a little bit and so they watch those things too okay um i have a couple of questions for you just as a person of color when it comes Mm -hmm. to the bravo audience and the bravo Mm -hmm. fandom and the bravo experience right Mm -hmm. um as a person of color do you feel seen by the production company and by the network as somebody who watches housewives like do you feel like they recognize you as an audience member prior to george floyd absolutely not um i think after the summer of 2020 
um, I think not just Bravo, but I think even television networks, period. You know, people of color have been ranting and raving about not being seen, you know, on television, you know, for so many years or whatever, or the perspective or how they shown us, whether you're black, whether you're gay or whatever, it was just all, you know, from one lens. I think after right. the summer of George Floyd 2020, I think network television, you know, executives um, finally got in a sense. Um, and I still think it's a still it's still a work in progress, to be honest with you. But I think back to Victoria Rowell when she was on The Young and the Restless, you know, Drusilla Winters, she played Drusilla Winters for, you know, th those years. One of the right. biggest thoughts that she had when she was on that show was she was constantly battling with production about, you know, just simple things of how the home is decorated, how the Winters homes was decorated, you know, whether, you know, incorporating certain elements you know, of black culture in the, in the household and the set designs. Um, we constantly hear all the time from actors and actresses about how, um, you know, when it comes to the makeup and when it comes to hair, you know, yeah. just those basic things, forcing them into wigs or not hiring the people who can actually tackle and do, you know, our hair and makeup and things of that particular nature properly. Um, so no, I don't think um, you know, we didn't feel very seen for so many years. And even, you know, from the Bravo of the reality world, Atlanta was your Black Housewives show. And that was it. Mm -hmm. You had Jersey, you had Beverly Hills, you had New York, you had Miami. Um, you had the first variation of D.C. Um, when it, I think it was Washington, Real Housewives of Washington, D.C. I think it, it was one season or something like that. So, you know, Atlanta was the staple. And as you can see, people really subscribed and wanted to watch Black culture. They wanted to see, you know, people of color on their television screens. Those casts were not representative of what America looked like behind the scenes. Those sets and the staff was not representative of what America looked like. And I think Bravo understood. They finally got it. It, it, it. I hate that it had to be where, you know, you had to watch a man get murdered on national television, but they finally got it. And so, right. you know, there's a, there's a whole um, era now where they're trying to diversify the cast. You got a whole complete reboot of the New York season, um, the New York cast. You got... Um, Garcelle being cast on um, Beverly Hills. Um, and you have, you know, Miami is back now with a more diverse cast, Latinos, Blacks, Whites, you know, on that show. And I'm, I'm assuming if they do bring Dallas back, Dallas is going to look like that. And I think that was one of the things that made Salt Lake City stand out and why it was such a success in the first beginning too. Because you had a cast full of different people you know, different ethnicities. So I think Bravo's, they, they get it. Um, they still are having growing pains, you know, of doing that because, you know, it's, it's, it's a big change. New York, I think was, is kind of the poster child of having a growing change because Ebony K. Williams was such a strong black woman, you know, strong black, you know, um, woman in New York. And I don't think they really got a fair shot or she got a fair shot because one, they filmed during the pandemic to the height of it. Um, so right. I, I think that the networks are getting it now. I think it's just the growing pains of making and implementing changes. I don't know why. Oh, yes, I do know why, you know, why it's so hard because, you know, people are racist. People want to see what they want to see. They want to see who they want to see.
But I think that's, you know, Bravo is doing the, the, the work now by kind of diversifying the cast and things of that nature. And the growing pains, you know, is things like when Jen Shaw, you know, well, how do you handle, you know, when these housewives get in trouble? Like the way that you handle white people, the way that you handle Teresa, the way that you handle Erica Jane is not the way that you handled um, Jen Shaw or whatever. So, you know, you have those growing pains now, but I'm hopeful um, that the network continues to be committed to making sure that everyone is seen, especially black people, because we're the ones who do, do most of the most of the watching, the engaging, you know, all of that stuff like that. Does it lead you to have any apprehension coming into developing content in that specific space, being that you know the Bravo fandom is predominantly white and predominantly mm-hmm. toxic, and by proxy of that, predominantly racist? Hell no. Hell to the no. Like, no. I it, it gives me no apprehension at all about discussing, you know, matters of race or, you know, matters of, you know, discrimination or anything like that. It, 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 it I, if anything, Sean, I am even more committed to it because these things need to be called out. They need to be talked about or whatever. Um, and I have no apprehension about it at all um, and anyone who then gets uncomfortable talking about it my question is why do you even get uncomfortable because if you if you bring people of color into these casts they have to understand Sean this is our real life this is the shit that we deal with on a daily basis no it's not out of sight and out of mind for you as a white person if you're going to bring a black or Latino person onto your show, or even Asian, someone of Asian, you know, American descent, you have to talk about these things because these are our experiences. I'm not going to come on your show and just, you know, present some whitewashed version of my life to make it comfortable for you. Hell no. We got to talk about the real stuff. We got to talk about, you know, Kyle, um, putting it out there and saying that Garcelle didn't pay her tab from the auction or something like that. You know, because Hello. that's a stereotype out there that Black people don't pay their bills or whatever. And Kyle, she says that she didn't know. I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and let's sit down and have a grown conversation about this shit. And that's what Garcelle and Kyle did. And that's why I really on that front, Garcelle and Kyle haven't had any real problems when it comes to that anymore. You know, you got Kathy Hilton, who's been around the Jackson family, who's, you know, um, you know, been around somewhat Black people, and why she, I felt she was a little bit more empathetic and open to hearing what Garcelle felt and things of that particular nature. Now, don't get me wrong, Kathy Hilton has, you know, been around Trump and, you know, those types of things, so I'm still looking at her with a side eye or whatever but you know she presented herself as if she cared and wanted to know how Garcelle felt when some of the women who were around Garcelle most of the time wasn't even interested or you know there's reports saying that Lisa Renner oh we didn't want race on our show well if you got a black woman on your show if you got an Asian woman on your show then bitch you're gonna talk about race because that's our lives and we need to have those types of uncomfortable conversations all of the time, which is why Bro Chat, I think, has been a little bit more successful 
um, as of late because we do tackle some of those issues, um, you know, the good and the bad. You know, Mitch has been under fire a lot about some of his views and his political views um, and how he feels or how he sees things or whatever the case may be. And understand, and I think people don't really understand that, like, with Mitch, we have, you know, those difficult conversations about race and things of that particular nature. So that's why I'm so excited about this upcoming season of Road Chat because we're going to expand and we're really going to get into tackling some of those those discussions and those conversations even more. We've tackled it a little bit from a housewives world, but we're going to be expanding into, you know, the headline news and things of that particular nature. Nice. I absolutely love that. Now, how do you suggest content creators can contribute to the maturation of the fan base experience when it comes to social media? And to that thought process, do you even think that we have that responsibility? Um, yes, I think you do have the responsibility, I, I, I said the latter first, um, to That's fine. Kind of, um, foster those types of conversations with your fan base. Because I, I, I do think it, it, it can be a little insulting to just put content out there and just be like, to hell with it. Um, especially when you're in a building and you're growing your fan base, I think it's important for you to engage a little bit with it. Um, not right. to the point though, where it becomes obsessive and you know, when people are getting disrespectful and things of that nature block or ignore, whatever the case may be, because ultimately my job is for, to, to encourage healthy dialogue, healthy debate, um, sharing perspectives, but not to the point where we're getting disrespectful and we're, you know, we're being rude to one another. I understand. Right. I totally understand. People get very passionate about how they feel um, or even when they feel like their group or their perspective is being disrespected. Um, you know, because there have been times where people have disagreed with something that I've said and I have no problem with engaging with them or talking about it. But one thing you're not going to do is you're not going to be disrespectful to me or to anyone else who may feel like me. And I'm not going to be rude and disrespectful to you. And if I did say or do anything that you felt was disrespectful, Sean, I have no problem with apologizing, you know, to whomever. But we have to, you know, we have to engage when we got to talk. You know, I, I always feel that we are not going to get past racism. Um, we're not going to get past discrimination or anything until we're having honest, healthy dialogue with one another. And I think, you know, with BroChat, we have a responsibility when we do talk about things of a serious, you know, from a, from a serious subject matter to really sit down, okay, beyond the episode, let's get in the comments, let's talk about it. You know, if you felt like, you know, even if me as a co-host, if maybe Mitch, you know, in the cutting room floor, something was cut where, I, where he didn't, you know, post my full thought about something, then I'm going to go to the comments and I'm going to express it completely. You know, this is usually when we when we do a show, he tries his best to keep it, you know, to a, a 10 to maybe 12 minutes. Sometimes we have a whole recording show that's an hour long or whatever. So everything isn't going to always make it on the episode. Even on right. reality television, you know, all of them can shoot 17 million scenes, but we all, all know some of that stuff isn't going to make it on the actual show. So I think Absolutely. that's when you have um, where you can go into the comments or you can engage, 
you know, with your your um, with your fans on the audience about those types of things. So I think it is important to kind of keep the conversation going, having those discussions and stuff like that beyond the episode. And I think that's when people get to know you. That's when they get clear perspective. Even even this right now, doing this show and this interview with you, you know, hopefully, you know, if if you if any of your fans do watch Bro Chat or whatever, they're getting a, a, a more in-depth experience or maybe, you know, they're getting a different perspective of how I truly feel about something. Absolutely. Absolutely. What defines an unpopular opinion to you? Um, An unpopular opinion is usually when people say, this is an unpopular opinion, or when someone says, I know you're going to hate me for saying this, or when mm-hmm. someone knows that you know, ultimately, I look at it like this. An unpopular opinion, a lot of times, Sean, it's the motherfucking truth. It's the motherfucking truth, that. but people want to keep it politically correct. People want to, um, people want to keep it, you know, really, really cute. But a, a lot of times, an unpopular opinion really isn't as unpopular as people say it is. It actually is the truth, but sometimes they understand by telling the truth Sometimes people don't want to hear the damn truth. So with that being said, it becomes unpopular because they know that people aren't going to always admit to what's really going on or what's really happening. And I think my personal opinion, that's the stuff that really makes good television. That's the stuff that really makes content because an unpopular opinion, as popular as it may be, can get the conversation going. It can get the people. It's even even if you do say the unpopular opinion and people still don't agree, they're then going to want to listen to everything you have to say so they can go and respond to you or rip you to shreds in your comments or do a reaction video or something like that. But it gets the conversation going. So I, that's, that's how I look at unpopular opinions. Um, ultimately, it's still someone believes it. And nine times out of ten, there are 19,000 other people who agree with everything that you actually say. So if you really feel that way, whether it's going to be a good opinion, a bad opinion, or a different opinion, say how you feel so that in the event that someone disagrees with you, they can share their perspective and maybe it can change your perspective. Maybe you're going to stand, you know, double down and you're going to stand firm in what you believe, whether it's some bullshit or not, but you put it out there, you've gotten it out there, and you'll hopefully learn from other people and how they see things. So that's how I look at unpopular opinions. For sure. Now, based on your definition, what do you think your most unpopular opinion has been? Um. <laughs> so. You I'm know what's good when they laugh first. <laughs> I'm going to give you a little sneak peek on an upcoming episode of bro chat so and i think i think i even said it when i actually gave the opinion um i think i even said unpopular opinion (laughs) so you know how first of all i'm not a doctor i'm not a psychologist i'm not a psychiatrist i'm not a pediatrician i ain't none of that stuff okay and I understand that I do take mental health and things of that particular nature very seriously. 
I take it very, okay. very seriously. But one of the most recent episodes of Salt Lake City, you had um, Jen Shaw, you know, with everything that she has going on, you know, with her situation, when she was having the lunch with Heather and I think Lisa Barlow, and that she revealed that she, you know, attempted suicide. I'm not going to say okay. allegedly because she said that she did that. Right. Um, and like I said, I'm not I'm not a mental health specialist or anything like this. I'm going to put that out there. But sure. I call bluff on it. Okay. And the reason I call bluff on it is, as you know, I, and, and I love Jen Shaw or whatever. I feel that a lot of times when it's time for Jen to take accountability for some of her actions, she pulls stunts and shows. Um, Absolutely. And on the upcoming episode of Brochat, you're probably you know going to hear me say that I didn't necessarily believe that because I do know that there are some people out there who use mental health in a way that they shouldn't use mental health. And sometimes it discredits those individuals who really struggle, um, you know, with mental health, period. Um, So I, you know, it came out of nowhere. Like I said, I don't know Jen for real. I don't know her in real life or anything like that. But I just kind of felt that it was quite convenient for her to throw that out there at the mm-hmm. moment when both Heather and Lisa was holding her accountable. And we got to keep it 100. Sean, there are some people who do use mental health as a weapon in a sense. They use yes. it to get out of accountability. So right now, because mental health is something that's so serious, I'm pretty sure people are going to say, oh, Maurice, who the hell do you think you are to say if someone is going through something like you're absolutely right. I don't, I'm not, Jen, I'm not a part of our family, but I also know people lie about this shit. I'm, and I'm talking from someone who has, you know, been in management in corporate America for several years and things of that particular nature. People lie. People yes. lie. And they say things to, you know, avoid accountability. They use that crap you know, when when they want to go against something. So I think that's probably something that's the most recent that I'm quite yeah. sure I'm going to get a lot of hate mail <laughs> with that one. But, you know, Sean, it was just having, you know, real honest conversation. There are some people who take advantage of the mental, you know, the mental health. It's almost like the little boy who cried wolf or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, cry wolf all the time. But when it's actually something really, really serious, no one is going to believe you because of the past things that you've actually done. So I would yeah. say that's probably something that's the most recent that probably is going to get some people a little upset. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, I mean, to your point, Jennifer Shaw is a huge perpetuant of that type of behavior. Correct. She has a known history of mm-hmm. utilizing plight plot, trickery, and witchery to her advantage when it comes to absolving herself of accountability. My biggest plight with Jennifer Shaw is that she is way too comfortable using the plight, the narrative, and the traumas of Black people to try to absolve herself of accountability when it comes to her legal actions. And LGBTQ as well too, Sean. Because she's been doing a lot of that. She's been doing a lot of that as well lately, too. But for someone to sit here and say that because because she got indicted, she's being targeted as a person of color, when on any given day of any given week, she's going to show up in the lower 48 (laughs) 
as just another <laughs> white person. Uh-huh. As somebody no. at her big age. Uh-huh. With a black ass <laughs> husband and, and black grown black ass children. Right. She should know better. Right. To me, exactly. that statement is just as pro- her making those type of statements are just as problematic as Mary Cosby saying if there were niggas standing in front of 7-Eleven, she would get her ass over there. <laughs> but you are absolutely right. And we have to get comfortable, Sean, having what some people feel unpopular opinions or popular opinions about those types of things. Even when it's black people, we have to hold each other accountable for the shit that we do. Even this Tory Lanez and Meg the Stallion situation. In our honesty, oh son, we don't even Let's know what the hell happened. We don't know what the hell happened with them. But there was a whole movement about protecting black women, protecting black women, you know, mm-hmm. all in 2020, 2021 with Sandra Bland and all of those types of things. And here you have a black woman who's telling y'all something happened to her. And instead of believing her, everyone was, you know, because they're friends with Tory Lanez and he had the whole um, quarantine uh, DJ or quarantine radio thing and all of the rappers and everyone loved him. Like, it, it's not about putting another black man down. It's just about let the justice system do their job and let's see what comes out in court. But everyone crucified that girl. So whether it's Mary Crosby, Tory Lanez, Meg Thee Stallion, Jen Shaw, um, Ebony K. Williams, whether it's um, Kaya Richards, Kathy Hilton, whomever, we have to hold each other accountable. Call out the bullshit when there's bullshit. We have to get comfortable doing that. And I think our space, whether it's bro chat or even just from a content creator, this is our opportunity to keep it real. When the people Mm -hmm. who we see on our TV, we know they are not keeping it real. They are not keeping it real. And you know what's so crazy? Especially when it comes to, to, you know, Megan Thee Stallion P and, you know, (laughs) Daystar Tory Lane Peterson. (laughs) I love these names. Daystar Peterson. I was like, yes, honey. (laughs) You know, you Y'all did that. Y'all, they y'all did, did it. That. They did it. They did it. They did that. <laughs> they really did that. Tens for you. Right. But it's crazy to me that you brought up the whole protect black women movement. Megan was one of the faces of that movement when this whole thing popped off. And I'm not, and you know, pun halfway intended because I mean, right. you know, like, <laughs> you know, popped literally. Let me see you dance, girl. Let me see you dance. Right. Like, it's just crazy how all of that worked into her narrative and we saw the music she was releasing. Anyway, but, like, it's crazy how people turned on Megan and, like, where, like, like, people turned on Megan once this trial started because she got her ass up on Gayle King and lied and said she wasn't fucking Tory. We all know she was fucking Tory. Correct. that she got her ass up and said she wasn't fucking Tory and then released Plan B. It was like, girl, that's... Ooh, child. Okay, anyway. um, (laughs) Accountability. You know. Accountability. But That accountability part, right? But what's crazy is that people are holding her accountable for the lie about her fucking Megan or uh, Tory. Tory. But but nobody is talking about the lie that that she originally started with when she lied to protect him. Yep. She also lied and said that nobody shot her at first, too. 
It right. wasn't until the doctors was like, so you gonna talk about these bullet fragments in your foot or what? Like, what we talking about? And, see, and then she just had to say something. Sean, that's exactly why, you know, people are saying, oh, well, her sex life wasn't on trial or, you know, this wasn't on trial. But guess what? It is because all of that stuff, in my personal opinion, was being brought out hard. because of the narrative that both she was putting out there and he was putting out there. Like they were, it was almost like they were trying to protect each other at first, but then Meg, you come to, to, to the public and you want sympathy. No, the trial, the responsibility of the justice system and the power, the trial is to break all of that shit out or whatever. Absolutely. See, and, and even though, you know, the, 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 the ruling was in her favor in the end, she ain't no real winner because she was dishonest with us as well. And her accountability, her accountability and her reputation is going to look crazy from from this because even though it did come out, Tori shot her, whatever, blah blah blah. You shot me, like like all of that came out. Okay, great. The problem is, is that Megan was so obsessed with the court of public opinion that it almost interfered with the court of due process. Like it almost interfered with the court of law. Because she was so obsessed with what the people thought and the perception and what the people in the comments were saying that, that she didn't get shot in this and in the third, that she felt the need to prove this and prove that. But in the same token, you were leaving out certain shit that ended up discrediting you. your story when it came to the actual court process. So it's oh, like, maybe had you just sat back and shut the fuck up completely, this would have played out better for your reputation and the actual court proceedings. Omission is just like lying in my book. Yes. Omission is another form of lying, Sean. So like I said, that what I like I said before, there are still no real winners in this because she fucked up too. Or whatever. Yeah. Even though it came in her favor or whatever, she fucked up too. All of them was lying. We gonna we we ain't gonna really, in my opinion, never ever really know the truth. And you know, when you talk about a lot of times how I approach you know, going back to the previous question, how I approach stories or how I approach the wind-up, a lot of times, you know, sometimes I don't like to talk on things like as soon as they happen because the first 24 hours of a story breaking, that news cycle is very, very important because you're going to have a story that's being reported, but then you're going to have all of these other things that come out right afterwards. Or what if you're gonna have the opposing side gonna possibly try to get their version of a truth or get someone else to do the dirty work for them to get their version of the truth out there. So it's important, you know, when you talk about how I approach stories to not always just jump on the bandwagon, give it a little bit or whatever to see what's happening or what all comes out. And then you have it. I think, you know, with with the whole Meg deciding case, to your point, how she was kind of pushing certain narratives that may not have necessarily been true. Then you got people who, you know, most black men, they're gonna probably stand by Tory or whatever. But let's not necessarily offer our opinions until we really sometimes know what really is going on or what's happening or whatever. And that's, to your point, that's how it gets tricky because she, in a sense, did try. She was worrying too much about what people like me and you thought about yep. what was going on versus keeping to whatever agreement or story y'all came up with or whatever to try to keep all of y'all out of trouble. But then she became too worried about what other people thought and it came into a whole a whole thing. So yeah. She and now, had a whole accountable too. 
and now the whole victory is now overshadowed because now people have turned her victory of yes Tori is guilty into now this was a witch hunt against Tori and now Megan sacrificed the black man to the justice system when had you just shut the fuck up and let the shit play out we could have rolled off of your lie about trying to protect the black man all the way through the court proceedings and then once Mm -hmm. this shit came out you would have looked better for lying in the end but 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 had you just left well enough alone it's just like she messed it up for herself and it's like we wanted to ride with you on this we wanted to believe you yeah, we were rooting for you. We were all we were all for rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> yes, like we were all rooting for you. Two dark skin and two red hair and all. Yeah, like Jesus, mm-hmm. damn it, Megan. I just I don't know because it all just backfired on her. But yeah. all's well that ends well. Shout out to everybody. Fuck Kelsey too. Um, <laughs> do you want to play a game? Because Kelsey. Kelsey is literally, if you pull up Urban Dictionary and look up the term backpedal and pussy pop, uh-huh. it is going to be Kelsey's diss verse. Kelsey's diss track against Megan, coupled with her statements in court. Listen, Sean, that's Backpedal whole, and pussy pop. That's a whole nother show. You need to dedicate a whole nother show to, to just that. To Kelsey alone. Oh, sure. <laughs> I would love to have you back for that, cause that that yeah. was the real stunt. Those was now nah, now nah, nah, nah. you want to talk about you want to talk about a stunt darling. <laughs> you want to talk about this bitch pulled up, got an immunity deal, showed her ass up in court, and said, uh, 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 a whole mess, a, a whole mess, and that's another cautionary tale about you know. You got to know the people who you surround yourself with or whatever, because times like this, you really learn, you know, what people, who people are, what they're made of and all kinds of stuff like that. A whole mess. Crazy. We need to do another episode about Kelsey Nicole, because I want to talk about her. Cause there's just stuff like, I just, I just, how is this supposed to work out for you? Listen, I don't know what she thought. I don't know. I, I, <sighs> Oh God! <laughs> let's just move on. Let's just move yeah, on because we could be here that. for another two hours be, just talk about. Because I'm gonna be honest with you, even like in my friend groups, like when we talked about this case, like everybody just—it's just like a sigh. It's just like um, even like even the, the Shanquilla thing or whatever. The girl who went, you know, out oh of the country. God. Like it's just you just can't do anything but just like I. Yes, yeah. let's do another episode on that one day. <laughs> yeah, let's take that to another day because that needs yeah, its own time. It needs its own purpose. Yeah, child, we need the child. We need to be wearing veils and black flowers and lighting candles and shit. This was not and, the episode for that. And honey, after that, we need to do a third part so we can talk about Mr. Um, Justin Edison's news that the leaked. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> That's honey, that hole, that hole is deep. That's a deep, that, deep, deep hole. That <laughs> the cave of wonders. Like another episode, another episode. <laughs> shout out to Jafar, because that's that shit. That's yes. that shit Aladdin got trapped in. <laughs> okay. Couldn't get out. Anyway. The gate couldn't get out. <laughs> bitch. Hello. That is the that was the Bermuda Triangle, bitch. Okay. 
Right. Oh my word. Anyway, hey Justin, how you doing? Hey um, girl, hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to play a game with me? Sure, let's play. <laughs> You've heard of the game This or That, right? Yeah. I've created my own housewife, Bravo, Liberty type of version of This or That, where I basically crown you as Tyra Banks and you got one contract in your hand. Mm-hmm. And the name that you call is going to be the helper that gets promoted to next season. And the name that you do not call will slide into Twitter obscurity with Camille Grandma and the rest of the who. I am down for it. Let's play. <laughs> T. Drew or Sanya? Drew. Meredith or Lisa? Meredith. <laughs> Ooh, actually, Lisa. Okay. I can't, I can't stand Lisa. Can't stand her. Because she's a great television. <laughs> there are no wrong answers here. There are no right, wrong right, answers right, here. Right, right, I'm thinking about the show. I'm thinking about the show, um, Sean. I'm thinking about okay. the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, then the rest of your answers are going to get real interesting. Trust me. <laughs> Schwartz or Sandy? Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Can I do a pass? (laughs) (laughs) Neither. Neither. (laughs) I plead the fifth. Okay, now you. Now you sure you want to use your one? I'm going to use. Okay, that's the only one I get. Oh no! (laughs) You only get one one now. Yes, this is I'm a show where I encourage people to talk their shit. I'm I'm gonna plead the fifth. Next. Okay. Kenya or Marlo? Oh, of course. Kenya. Kenya. Kyle it's or always LBP. Kenya. It's always Kenya. It's always Kenya. Kenya. <laughs> Go ahead. Next one. It's always Kenya, period. No, no shit. Right. Kyle or LVP? Oh. <laughs> oh. See, you know, here's the thing. Let's let's pause for just a second. Let's pause. Cause because you know, LVP is that bitch in my opinion. Okay. Uh-huh. She is she's she's second queen mother. She's the second queen mother. Original okay. queen mother is Karen. Karen Huger's queen Hello. mother. But LVP and her inability also to take accountability of her stuff is of her shit is good TV. Kyle, the unaccredited executive producer of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Be heavily underpaid. Listen, she knows how to keep the confusion going. And when she also loves to, to avoid her shit, and she starts that crying and stuff like that too. So Kyle yeah. in her, I have really learned to respect Kyle a little bit more over the right. years because we really got to see her true character. So I think I'm going to go with Kyle. So Kyle okay. is my final answer. 
that was not where I thought that was going to end up. That was a soliloquy that I did not think was going to end up at college. Listen, and I, and I, I did love, I love LVP. I, but she, she, I lost a lot of respect for her when she was a sucker and she decided to leave. The things got a little too hot in the kitchen for her and she punked out. Even though she had, you know, her other shows that she could go to and she's been doing ever since then. But, you know, just that, that was a sucker move. That was a sucker move. I don't watch I don't watch Vanderpump rules, but it's it's just a sucker move. I didn't like that. So Kyle is committed, so Kyle gets my vote. I agree with you on that. I agree. That's why I lost respect for for Vanderpump because while I do think she be lying about a lot of shit, uh-huh. she's great TV. Right? She know good and well. Sean, she know good and well. She leaked them stories. Um, good and got online, well. all them people. She knows she did. She knows she did. But you know, shout out to John Blizzard. Anyway, right. um, <laughs> you know, we see how Vanderpump dogs work out. But, right, exactly. um, but like, I get it. Like, you know, I just, it just, I don't know. Like, I, I'm ambivalent with, with um, Kyle right now. Me and Kyle got some talking to do. Me and Kyle yeah. got to talk. Oh yeah. Me and Kyle gotta talk right now. Because this next season is gonna be real pivotal for her. Like I need to see what is. Kyle gonna do next season. Cause next season is real make it or break it for Kyle for me. It it really is. I agree with you 100 percent But I think she's up for the challenge. Now after then, I don't know what's gonna happen with Kyle. I don't know what will happen with her after then. But you're right. This is gonna be the make it or break it season for her. And I think it is gonna determine if she's gonna make the decision to come back or not. I agree with you. I, I I agree with you completely. But even but even but see, this is the thing too. I'm gonna put my producer hat on right now. Word. So in the event that she do decide to leave, Kyle could potentially, if she can get the you know all of them on board, she could pitch a whole nother show with her Lisa and I mean not her Lisa, her Kathy and her sister Kim. Like that will be something that people would want to subscribe to to. To, to finally see all three of them on the screen together. That's why I'm hoping that Kim makes, you know, both Kathy and Kim makes the decision to come back because that would be a fantastic spinoff, in my opinion. But if I had a conspiracy theory about that like a year ago where I said, I feel like that's the whole reason why they decided to bring Kathy on. They did Paris and Love on Peacock. I felt like uh-huh. oh, they were trying to turn this into a whole family affair. I said, bitch, Kyle is trying to get crunk off on the floor in the dance to read, bitch. And see, y'all not paying attention. They're not paying attention. And see, that's why I believe that statement that Kathy allegedly made to Lisa Renner about I, all the people over at Bravo or NBC Universal. I know them, I can end you and all kinds of stuff like that. I think because there are several deals on the table, whether it's right. um, on Bravo or whether it's on, you know, uh, Peacock, you know, the streaming platforms, whatever. I think there is some validity to what Kathy Hilton is saying. Hence why we also believe, you know, it's been said in the headlines that that was one of the reasons why she didn't come back in the beginning of last season because she was still trying to work out a deal on her payment, you know, her salary or whatever the case may be because she wanted an astronomical amount of money for someone who's just a friend but in Kathy's mind, don't forget now this woman is still a businesswoman at the end of the day 
or whatever. So she's going to do whatever's best for her and her family and her interests. A deal was cut, and so she ended up coming back or whatever. Tried to mask it as, you know, well, she was also doing the Paris thing, but that isn't 100% true. The, the, it was the, the it was out there that she was she wanted more money because she you know people loved her she became a quick fan favorite so I very quick on that that could be a whole and so even if the other side to that is that even if that show doesn't happen with the three of them you got Mauricio so on Netflix that's actually doing pretty good from what we've been hearing or whatever so she could go over there and then start her own empire with her 17,000 children that she has as well, too. So, you know, there's there's a couple of options out there for Kaya. So even if she did decide to walk away after this, she's going to be fine. She's going to be fine. God bless them both. Mm -hmm. Now. Who's next? Who's next? Monique or Candace? Yeah, so these are progressively getting getting hard. <laughs> yep, I told you. I asked Ooh, you. You did. You, you gave me full you sure? disclosure. You gave me you full sure? disclosure. <laughs> but, um, all right. You, well, that made me thought you had listened to my show before. I thought, thought <laughs> I, I thought you came in right and was like, nah, I know who you be giving. Don't worry about it. I got this. I was like, oh, Ooh. Like, this shit. <sighs> Ooh. Ooh. Um. Yikes! And you Candace. know Monique ain't coming back to uh. Oh, and well, that, never mind. That's why I said Candace's name because Candace Monique quit Potomac. Mm-hmm. She was asked back, and, and she also quit DC. I can't depend on her. I can't depend on her no more. I can't Hello? depend on her. So Candace, even though I also think if Candace's music career like really takes off, I think her days on Housewives are going to be number two, and it's going to be by her choice or whatever if it takes off. So I would go with Candace. I would call Candace's name. Candace, here you go. Here's I would your- agree with you, but I think Candace got another three seasons max. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's not for anything bad. I think it's because her music career is legitimately going to be taken off. And I feel like she can, she probably, if she don't leave the show completely, she may drop down to a friend coming full la la with the girls. And while she on tour with Tamar Braxton and 112 Uh and escaping them, she going to be one of them girls. Say it. I guarantee it. it. Because that Deep Space album, yeah. And, And for the record, Sean, I like Monique more than I like Candace. Mm. So that even said, I like Monique more than I like Candace. I really have not been a fan of Candace up until this season or whatever. Okay, so you one of them girl. I am, yes. And I'm going to. You one of them girls that just started liking Candace. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, welcome to the party. I I am her. And yes, I raised my hand. (laughs) She is me. Yes. I am one of them girls. Yes, I am. Because Candace, Candace, new member of the yes, I'm a new member of the fan club, and I'm really I ain't even paid my dues yet. I'm waiting to see. (laughs) I ain't even paid my dues yet. I'm gonna be 100 honest. I done got three notifications that the payment is due to my email box. 
and I ain't paid it yet. But you know, I'm proud of her in the sense of how she's handling this whole situation this season so far, of how Giselle them trying to throw her husband up under the bus and stuff like that. I'm not a fan of what they're doing to her. But because of that, I'm just giving her grace. But Candace is not historically been one of my favorite people. Fair. I have been a fan of Candace. I have been more of I have been more a proponent of calling Candace out when it comes to her stunts and shows when it comes down to the social media. Mm, but her on the pull. show. Oh, <laughs> Hello. She, she knows but, how to pull a stunt and a show, honey. She will play stunts, a show. She will pull a charcuterie board, honey. <laughs> she will pull, girl, anything. She will pull her mama Dorothy, girl. Oh yeah, listen, yeah. But see, mama and Dorothy so, didn't play that because she gonna slap the shit out of her <laughs> with her purse, with her purse, with the purse, with the purse, with her purse in in hand. Yes, whole pocketbook. <laughs> That's it. That's it. But see, I've always been a defense, not even an advocate of Candace. I've always just appreciated Candace because I can't think of a time where Candace has flamed the girls and lit their ass up on the show where mm-hmm. she hasn't been blatantly defending herself. She's just one of those girls that 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 you just can't read back. Like she gonna go in and like she's just gonna boil you to your tipping point to where she, to where she gonna make you wanna punch her in the fucking face. Yes. Yes. So you're gonna have to decide whether you're willing to go down with this read session yes. or whether you just need to go ahead and walk off before your ass get locked up. And see, that's why Candace and her husband with his brown dick need to pack Shout up their the brown stuff. Dick bath there. <laughs> they need to pack up their stuff and they need to move to Atlanta because she's more fitting for the Atlanta crowd. <laughs> no shade. Okay. Imagine Candace and Portia. We hopefully imagine. Shout out to the new season of Ultimate Girls Trip coming up. We're gonna see how that turns out. Right, because she even said, I think it was on um, on Carlos's podcast that we're gonna see how their relationship plays out as well too. But if they were in cahoots, like if they get to a good space, imagine her on Atlanta. Candace is Atlanta needs Candace. You know what they need to do? You know what they need to do? Mm-hmm. Candace, and you know what? I'm not even gonna tell you to do this, but I'm gonna just go ahead and throw it out there just because I know that Bravo would eat that shit up. Uh-huh. What you need to do is go ahead and pick up uh Wendy's uh restaurant idea uh-huh. with Peter. And bring that shit down to the Atlanta and do like a bar one, two in collaboration with Chris Brown, Dick Bassett. Uh-huh. And have Peter and Chris be working on something. And that's why y'all asses down there to the Atlanta. Down to y'all the Atlanta. Great space with, <laughs> with, with, you know, y'all find a lot of space for a good price down to right. the Marietta Alpharetta somewhere. And y'all scooch y'all ass down there, sell that 1.1 million and go get you a 2.5 million. I swipe it. Go on, do your thing. Build you a studio in the house. Record the next album. Do some singles with Candy. Yep. Listen to what I'm telling you, girl. It's a win-win. And you know what? I would would love to see Bravo. Partner on a Blaze Steakhouse if you don't want to mess with with, uh, Peter's messy ass. Partner on another Blaze Steakhouse. Right. Exactly. That opens the door. But even I'll 
America's best friend Cynthia to come back up. Like it could work. Candace coming. I'm so to glad she decided to bring her ass back to the Atlanta. I'm so glad Me Cynthia too. decided Me to too. bring her ass back. I was like, girl, listen, I don't listen. I don't listen. Listen. Yes. No shade yeah. with what I'm about to say. But Ulti, I don't give a damn about Mike serial killer face kill. Okay. <laughs> Not serial killer. Not serial killer. Does he not? But don't he kind of like, I don't know if it's him or if it's the cameras, but a lot of the times when he popped up on the show, he was giving real like... Jeffrey Dahmer kind of shit. It was giving real Evan Peter. It was giving real Dahmer teas. It was giving (laughs) very like it puts the lotion in the... Like it gives very... Yes, I agree with you 100%. I've always kind of knew that that relationship wasn't going to last. I always kind of felt that. Not saying, you know, not speaking anything negative over someone's marriage, but it's just what it is. He just, Mike just gives you that creep vibe or whatever. It's it's just something about him. And he could be a very nice person. He really could be. But he just looks like he's one of the ones, he looks like he's one of the ones that'll um, put a pin on your seat and you sit down and it's you know stabs you in the butt and he just looks yeah. around like who did that like, like, yeah oh God, like, he, he, it's a little eerie about him Something's very and that's eerie not even for him. me to say that he's unattractive he's a very attractive man but the problem is it's like he just gives very like petty serial killer. It gives very like Evan Peters. It gives very yes. Jeffrey Dahmer. It gives very Ted Bundy vibes. Like all them men were fine, but all of them were serial killers. Well, I'm not gonna say that Jeffrey Dahmer was fine. That's y'all crazy asses. Y'all got y'all, y'all got Evan Peters com- com- confused with Jeffrey Dahmer. Y'all need to grow the fuck up. Well, but, I'm gonna say this, Sean. Hold up, Sean. Wait a minute. Wait Ted a minute. Bundy was sexy. I'm. I guess maybe I wanted. I, again, I'm gonna raise my hand. You I wanted a Dahmer. He was cute, girl. I'ma give you Ted Bundy. I'ma give you Ted Bundy. I'm not gonna give you Jeffrey Dahmer, girl. Now, 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 now. Go back and look at the mug socks. Go back and look at some of them. Go back. I'll give you this. If I was, if I was in the club, you know, down, down, down to the club. Guess what, Sean? Your ass would be you would have. You would have been one of the ones chopped up in the damn apartment. <laughs> no shame. I would have, but let but let me be very clear. Because Jeffrey, he's not one of those people. Like he's one of those people that you think is sexy. So when you fucked right. up in the club, that's it. He was that's a lot it. That's it. And Shine the Jeffrey Dahmer was smart Shine enough to slip on. you out. See, Jeffrey Dahmer Shine was smart on. enough to slip the girls out before the last call for alcohol. Shine the light on him. Shine the light on him. (laughs) Jeffrey Dahmer was slipping the girls out during the reggae tone down down to the shop. Jeffrey Dahmer was slipping the girls out during Murder She Wrote. She wrote right. He was getting (laughs) pun intended. Honey, like he was scooting them girls out. Yeah, before the drugs wore off and before the lights came on. Yes, yes. But he 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 is in a weird kind of way. He was kind of cute. But that's the thing, Sean. Why are all the crazy people fine as hell? Please explain that I'm not going to say all of them. I, I'm not going <laughs> to say majority. all of them. The majority? A lot of them. 
But a lot of them. I give it to a lot of them because Charles Manson does nothing for me. But Ted Bundy was sick. Oh, yeah. And the DC the, snipers, the yes. older ones, yes. don't want your dude because I want his daddy. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yes. Baby. People, people, see, this unpop, unpopular opinion. Unpopular, unpopular opinion. opinions. But this is the show for that because this is the show where I talk my shit. Like, like, I, like, like I, I'm a very, if you build it, they will come. So if you that, didn't come to talk it. this type of shit, then take your ass on. Come on over, come on over. Send your homies come with the dark humor baby. around over here. Yes. <laughs> Honey, rub this genie in a bottle. Right. But for real, right. like, Ted Bundy could have got it for real, like, sober. Jeffrey Dahmer couldn't have mm-hmm. got it sober. That's what I'm trying to say. I, 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 I'm, I'm there. I, I, okay, I agree. I agree. We can go, we can go with that. We can go with that. But, uh, Okay, so new this or that, Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy? <laughs> Since you brought it up, I would have to go with Ted Bundy. I would have to go with Ted Bundy. I would have to go with Theodore, Theodore Bundy. I would have to go with Theodore Bundy. <laughs> mm. Mm. Ask <laughs> on Houston, Texas, but the face looked just like Theo Huxtable. Ow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Jill or Bethany? Mm. Now, that ain't who I thought you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to give the girls Bethany. a variety. Bethany. Yeah, Bethany. Bethany. And I, don't, I do not like Bethany. I do not like her. <laughs> Bethany. I would go with Bethany. Legitimately tried to make the hard choices. Mm-hmm. Gretchen or Alexis? Hmm. Probably Gretchen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll go with, I'll go with Gretchen. Phaedra or Candy? Oh, well, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I asked you, I asked you, you one time, you I was like, listen, you sure? Oh, gosh, Sean, oh, my Lord, uh, mm-hmm. one, two, your coochie three. is sweating, <laughs> hot box. <laughs> um, this is gonna send you the thing thing, ain't it? I would have to go with candy. Okay. Candy. Okay. Candy. Yep, candy's my vote. Whitney or Heather? Oh now see now I should have used this 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 is the one I should have used. <laughs> Uh, I was I, like, listen. <laughs> yeah, these, these are horrible. You're horrible. You are a horrible person, Sean. Um, I'm gonna go with Heather. I'm gonna go with Heather. I don't I'm I'm not a fan of Whitney at all. Whitney Whitney is sort of kind of like the Porsche of Salt Lake City, in my opinion. Um so I would have to go with Heather because Heather, Heather is messy. She's also an unaccredited producer. And I see right through the act that she likes to put up. I absolutely love that. Yeah. And she's getting she's getting called 
on her shit a little bit this season as well too so I'm gonna Absolutely. go with and, and Heather and you're gonna hear this too we, we did this episode too that's gonna be coming out on Bro Chat Heather needs to stop playing in our damn face she plays in our face entirely too much I with girl, her face who hit you who hit who you, hit you? Who, who hurt you? Stop playing in our face. Stop with all of this guessing game stuff. This is not a game. Who hit you? And if you can't tell us, I'm revoking your your snowflake next season as well, too. But I'm going to have to go with Heather. I can go with Heather. Okay. Teresa or Melissa? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ignorant as fuck, I know. You can say it. As, you can cuss me out on my own show. It's all right. I'm gonna go. Oh gosh. Go say it. It's all right. <laughs> Teresa. Okay. Teresa. Okay. I, I I'm starting to actually believe everything Teresa has said about Melissa. Well, I mean, we I have did, people I like did. Andy Cohen and Carlos King back up the shit that she says. Yeah. I, I am going to, I'm going to, and and you're absolutely right. We have no choice at this moment to believe anything Melissa Gorga says. I've always felt that she's been getting a pass anyway since, mm-hmm. you know, after the, 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 the first or second season she was on. She just gets a pass because she's Teresa's sister-in-law and we want to see the drama, the family drama with them. But mm-hmm. I would rather have their cousin Rosie come back and be the first, well, maybe second, whatever, lesbian housewife than mm-hmm. have Melissa Gorga on there. Melissa Gorga has always been... I would rather have just, Rosie come back and be the first lesbian housewife because I don't believe she is a real lesbian. We can talk about that later. And we can <laughs> talk about that later. But yes, I am all for Rosie coming back and then Kathy can come back and be her sister, you know, a be a friend, friend of, of because I like Kathy. I, I like Kathy. I really did like Kathy, and I felt like those Kathy ladies knows. were done. They were done dirty in this whole yes. thing. They were collapsed with damage. But I would much rather the two of them, one as a, a housewife and the other sister as a friend, over Melissa Gorga. Melissa Gorga is not authentic at all. She's fake. She's phony. And I'm just not here for her. And this needs to be her. And I'm not even a Teresa fan like that. I really ain't. But I, right now, because of everything that has been coming out, the truth, I'm going to have to be Team Teresa on this one. And that's my final answer. Work. Vicky (laughs) or Tamara? Oh, you're evil. Um, I'm Vicky, Vicky, Vicky. I have to go with Vicky. Jennifer or Dolores? Jennifer Aiden? Jennifer Aiden or Dolores Catania? Jennifer Aiden? Why is Dolores even still here? I listen. Why is she even still here? For me, Dolores gives Cynthia without the fun of it. Right. And Dolores so if Dolores started naming some shit, the Catania yes. Cafe, 
going through yeah. shit like 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 child. We need a you know Dolores dish session or something. But right. I love Dolores. I like her too. I like her, but I don't know what the fuck is... she does. But I like her though. And and here's the thing, Sean. She's been around since the beginning of the show. Like you know, when, when she finally came on, there was a a, a bit that they did within the episode, or maybe it was on the reunion, one of, one of those, when she finally became a housewife, they mm-hmm. showed scenes where Dolores has been around since the beginning of time. Because she's That's friends, funny. you know, where her and Caroline are good friends. Like, she's been around since forever. So, why was she never even a friend? You know, because they Jersey really didn't have friends like that back in the day. Or whatever right. they do now, but they really didn't have friends because the, I guess the the cast was just so strong. I would, I would kind of have to say Rosie probably was like the very first friend in a sense that was on Jersey. But mm-hmm. I don't know why Dolores is really here. Her her husband is more entertaining than she is. And it's nothing against her because I enjoy her. But I just, yeah, she's just holding up by, by Dolores. Jennifer. Jennifer, Jennifer is everything. Jennifer, I've loved Jennifer since day one. Jennifer has been bringing it. She's getting even more unhinged. She is a crazy, quirky housewife that is. She's just yes. I just love everything about her crazy. <laughs> Jennifer, Jennifer has certainly grown on me. She can I definitely, would definitely say that she's she's the future of Jersey. She can definitely be the future of Jersey. Okay. Kelly Dodd or Heather Dubrow? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a big OC person, but isn't Heather the one who came back last season? She is. She's the one that came back and they tried to turn Heather Dubrow into Captain Save-A-Hole and thought that she was supposed to come back and, and save flopped. the franchise. Right. It like, flopped. Yeah. Kelly Dodd. Like a Low Bow Wow album in 2023. She's the one that's more unhinged and she says whatever the fuck she wants to say, right? That's her, right? Loose fucking cannon. Absolutely. Her. My vote is her. Kelly, the Heather girl is boring. Like, I I don't, like, commit to watching OC. I'll dip in, you know, dip in and do it every now and then. Um, okay. The Heather girl, I don't I don't even know why they thought that she was going to be able to save it. Now, her performance will probably be a whole lot better this season because Tamra's back and you got Taylor crazy ass who done jumped ship and went over to OC. So I'm going to watch it this season uh, because of the fact that those two are going to be on there. And I think Heather is really going to have to work a little bit this season. So I would go with the Kelly Dodd lady because I've seen her and her shenanigans. And she's good TV. And she's good TV on TV and off TV. Okay. Cynthia yeah. or Portia? Oh. Ooh. Well, for the record, <laughs> for the record, I have never been a Portia fan. Never. Work. Okay. I never, ever ever been a Porsche fan. Um, I didn't like who she was when she first came on the show and I knew it was an imposter then and the real Porsche has come out. Porsche's good though for TV. Porsche's very, very good for TV. Um, Cynthia 
I've always understood Cynthia's role. I've always understood it. But, and then when her, one of the most recent episodes that she did with Carlos King, he really put things in perspective of who the fuck Cynthia 50 Cent Bailey is. Like, and how important she was to the show. So she's a staple too. But I would have to choose Portia. Okay. Because there's so much more to unpack with Portia now. My only fear, though, with Portia, if she was to come back, is if she's really going to keep it 100 with us. Because I felt like she was an imposter back then. The mask finally came off and we got to see who she really is. But I felt like these last couple of years, she's been trying to put the mask back on and put out the image or portray the person who she thinks we want to see or whatever. Even like with her show, her show could have been really, really good. But again, Uh. she was trying to play something that she's not. Portia Mm got to keep it 100 with us. What she did to Fallon and Simon, that's Portia. That's the real Portia. And the Portia who hits, that's the real Portia. The Portia the one that chased Jamie down the alley at the Christmas party and whipped that's the real Portia. Portia. The Portia who gets jealous when her baby daddy is potentially dating someone else and you get mad. Because the he one, might want to bring the portion that get mad to show baby daddy brought a bitch on a trip and you got a whole nigga sitting next to you. Uh huh. Okay. That's Portia. That's Portia. That's Portia. So, and that's the one. Ghetto is here. It's not trying to be somebody that you at. So, but I would have to say Portia. I would choose Portia over Cynthia. I would have to choose Portia because I'm thinking about the show, the greater good of the show. Okay. Brandy or Denise? Brandy all day, hands down. Word. All day. She's a train wreck, a beautiful train, a beautiful nightmare. Brandy. I love that. You can put Brandy in any you can put Brandy in any scene with anyone, and she's gonna own that motherfucking scene. She don't have to know yes. any of those ladies. She doesn't have to know because look at her. She was a success. She what is wasn't she the first one to ever become a a friend that became a housewife? Was isn't she? Yeah, first one. Yeah, she's the architect, and you can put her on any show, and she she will own it. So Brandy, hands down, Denise can go. They were talking about bringing her back. I don't know why they bring her back because she's not coming on and keeping it real either. We know that her and Brandy messed around. They done bump pussies. We know that. Like girl, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't, child, Denise. Yeah, I I, <laughs> right. I ain't even gonna get into Denise. I don't care. Unless she's uh, showing her husband big dick, she can stay wherever she at, child. Go on about this. I don't even want him or his incoherent <laughs> dick. I'm sorry. I don't want it. Uh, no, I'll stick with I'll stick the brown dick basket. Thank you. Uh, at least, because at least Chris Bradford will fuck me good and cook me some collard greens afterwards. I ain't got time for that. Look, I don't got time to be trying to figure out what the hell. People get shot that, with Aaron. I ain't got time right. for that. Ain't they get shot, child? <laughs> Aaron trying to shut the um the um the drug business down. <laughs> okay, Aaron trying to 
Aaron trying to, you know, bring down the CIA and shit. I'm right. just trying to chill. I ain't got time he for that. He's trying to shut the whole prescription drug business down, child. They, they okay. want to get out of here. He, they on they on him like Scientology is only a remedies ass child. <laughs> they need to send uh, a bag. <laughs> they need to send his ass to the Theranos girl, honey. Right, That's who he needs exactly. to be fucking with, honey. Camille or Rena? Oh, sorry, what? No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm 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 still waiting for one, and if you don't ask it, I'm gonna ask you. But anywho, um, okay. Rhythm, hands down. Okay. You, I, I like Camille, and Camille is great TV too, but Camille, she doesn't commit, she flip-flops too much. She doesn't commit to being the villain. She doesn't commit to, she, yeah, she backpedals a lot too. Lisa Rinna's gonna stand in, and Lisa Rinna's gonna walk out when people are booing her, and she's gonna stick their middle fingers, her middle fingers up at them. That's the yeah. kind of feeling that I love. If you're gonna be it, commit to the role. She understands the assignment. She understands what it takes to make a successful show, and she's not afraid to do what the other girls don't want to do. Lisa Renner, hands down. Okay. Crystal or Teddy? Crystal. Okay. I do not like Teddy Mellencamp at all. <laughs> at all. Her, her podcast is good. She's better suited in that role. I will agree with you there. Yeah, she's I better suited in that role. She's she's inside. She gets the scoop. She gets the tea. So I like her, and she's really she's really come into it. So stay, you know. Let let Bravo spot officially sponsor her podcast or something like that. I like I like her in that role. So yes, Crystal, and I like Crystal. Now see, this is the tea, Sean. Now, what's gonna make Crystal's next season, her third season, like stellar? Mm-hmm. They need to get all seventeen thousand of those women who fell out with her. Yeah, we need to get we need to get to the bottom of that. We need to get to the bottom. And, and guess what? Those ladies know. Kyle knows. Kyle they knows the friends. They know all fourteen of the friends. Yes. So. That's what's gonna make it, and it's gonna be a hot. If I was a producer and Kyle was my, you know, if, if I was assigned to Kyle, okay, Kyle, right. to get the temperature off of whatever's happened with you and Kathy, especially if Kathy ain't come back, if she doesn't really come back, yeah, let's go ahead and let's, let's shine the light on Crystal and let's get to the bottom of this because. It definitely says something about a person's character if your whole friend group has dumped your ass. Something ain't right about that. Yeah. So the like girls 14, get to the bottom. Of and that's such a very specific number. Specific friends. number, right? Like your whole friend group decided to dump you because what? That is going to be the golden egg next season. And it's going to be hard for her. And she probably don't want to come back after that. But Oh, yeah. They need to get to the bottom of that. That's what I would be doing this upcoming season. Is getting to the bottom of that. So yes, Crystal. Crystal. And my first question is why does a bitch have 14 friends in the first place? Like, <laughs> why is your friend circle that bitch? Why do you know all these people? Like, right. why you got all these people in your bed? Like, girl, why do you have y'all saw what 
what happened with Eva is she had six, seven, eight, nine, ten bridesmaids and she fell out with all them bitches at the fucking wedding. All of them. All at of them. the wedding. All like we so thought yes. Eva was about to get jumped at her reception. <laughs> like, what the hell is going on? Yes, yes. So and, and, and here's the thing. What's interesting about all of that though, even I'm surprised no like no content creators or no one has really taken the time to dive into that. That's because whoever these women are, like they are, you know, they're part of the who's who in Beverly Hills. And you know who also knows? Sutton knows too. So oh, if baby. Sutton wanna even though her and and Crystal are somewhat on a good page. If she ever decides, you know what, bitch, you tried to play me last season or the season before. You tried you know to put what, an you really out tried there. It. <laughs> Yeah, you really tried. You tried to paint me, try to paint the picture that I'm some kind of secret racist or something. So guess what? I thought about it. I want to retaliate. Let's bring one or two, even if it's just one or two of those people on the show. Let's get to the bottom of that. So yeah, I like Crystal. Sutton is the type of girl. Speaking of Sutton. <laughs> Sutton is the last one, Sutton or Erica. But before you answer, I feel like Sutton is Sutton is the type type of girl, just like she dropped that um tea about the Elton John party down to the White Flag. <laughs> I feel like Sutton is the, I feel like Sutton is the type of girl who will just pop up next season and be like, Yeah, I just ran into these two girls at the Kroger at the Costco and we got into a great conversation about, you know. Da, 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 da. And I just said, well, like on the way to this party, I was getting some potato salad with extra raisin <laughs> for Kyle's barbecue. Right. For you know, I was getting some potato salad with 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 you know extra raisins and some and she, um, chicken for Garcelle's me, party. She told she, me that and she spills the tea so to answer your question and in fact I invited her and they're on the way I thought that they should just come and ask you because I thought that this was too salacious of me to just bring back to you I thought that she should just come and confront you to your face and right. I feel like she'll be the type of person to just invite a bitch to a party she'll be the one oh, to just find crystal friends at the Costco oh and by the way do you see my new Dolce & Gabbana crown my new Dad. <laughs> The season twenty-three, the uh, <laughs> uh Tierra, the one the that I wore on the runway for Fashion Week. Yes, <laughs> that one. So to answer your question, Sutton all day, Sutton Strack all day long. Okay, my last one is a three-one split, and I think it's just funny because I don't really drink. But somebody said, "Well, if you had the chance to like try which one, which one would you choose? Uh-huh. Vita Tequila, Casa de Sol, or A One A?" Casa, because I've tried it. <laughs> what the Casa del Sol giving? What Eva Longoria about? Listen, and it's good. It's good. It's very, very good. So Casa has my vote. That one has my vote. Now, now I have one did not ask that you would go ask me. Yeah, get to that tea. Okay. You got something for Are me? You ready? Yes, I got one for you. Giselle. Or Karen Huer. Karen. Oh, you know what? Karen. I knew there was a reason that I liked you, Sean. Karen. I knew that there was a reason that I liked you. <laughs> Without even a thought. Karen. You didn't even have to finish. I call <laughs> Karen the overall house mother of Bravo, of the house of Karen. Bravo 
Karen is the overall mother. She's the overall Yes, mother. she is the legendary, she is the legendary mother of the House of Bravo. Absolutely. Right. Yes. And, and don't get me wrong, I still feel, I'm going to be 100% honest with you, I still feel Shanice is really that bitch in Potomac. Even though she doesn't, you know, Karen has, she, Karen has mastered the look because she's been mm-hmm. on the show forever. But Sharice is really that she's the connected bitch there. But Karen is still the overall house mother of the legendary house of Bravo to what you say. So yeah, Karen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Karen is that girl for me. I don't, yeah. I, I ain't got nothing for Giselle, girl, no shade. And we can get, <laughs> me neither. And we can get deep into it. it. Yeah, we ain't got nothing for her. I ain't got nothing for the green-eyed bitches. No shade. Nope. Nope. For the nothing peppers. We could slide to the left. Right. On that. <laughs> I ain't got nothing for them. No response. None you. Because those girls, like, they bring all the problematic thieves to, mm-hmm. to the Potomac, and I ain't got no time for them. So, you know, shout out to them, though. Or whatever, and by them I mean Candace and Karen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm there with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you had the opportunity to create your own show, uh-huh. would you do a show that was focused on your family, or would you do a show that's focused on your friend group? That's a good question. Um. My family is very, very entertaining. Um, my mom alone is, she's hilarious. Like, if you were to meet my mom and when all of my friends meet my mother, they instantly fall in love with her. She's she's a she's a trip. She's a she's shout a Christian out to my owner. So, shout out to Arlene Teresa. Arlene yes. Teresa. <laughs> Arlene Teresa is a Christian woman, but she would cuss your ass out. <laughs> love, love. Listen, love. Arlene Teresa is the whole mood. Uh, my sister is a whole character. Uh, my brother is too. My nieces and nephews. Oh my god, interesting cast of characters. But I probably would still choose my friends though. And I would choose my friends because I have a very interesting friend group as well, too. Um, Especially, you know, with the majority of them being, you know, us being a part of the LGBTQ community. Um, I think my group of friends would introduce the world to a different type of gay. Um, You know, we're all, you know, some of us, you know, we can clean out, you know, we can do all that stuff, too. But um, it's just a very different dynamic. Um, I know some of my friends wouldn't want to do it though, but even with the ones who would do the show, I promise you it would be very, very interesting. I think every gay person thinks their their friend circle though is the T. But uh, I, I think I would want my friends because I, I think all of their st- all of our stories, both collectively and individually, would be something that people can connect to, whether you're gay or straight. Um, so I think I would go that particular route. And of course, part of my story would be, you know, introducing my family. But I think the the show with friends could probably pitch and be sold before my family. Though. All right. Yeah. What is the biggest lesson you've learned from reality television? The biggest lesson that I have learned from reality TV 
um, is I think being your authentic true self works best um, okay. I don't care I don't care how long you've been in the game I think if you are rooted and grounded and you know exactly who you are and whose you are to add the spiritual perspective to it um, I think you could be successful um, even with Nini I, I look at Nini um, as someone for the most part I think she has always been her true self she, of course she glammed up you know that's I mean ultimately you're supposed to do that you're supposed to glam sure. up but you gotta keep it you know you gotta keep it 100 to yourself and I think when people start straying away from the real version of themselves then they, they kind of lose it and I think Nini for the most part has been real there are things that she really has not hidden from the camera like other people try to hide from it um, and I don't think Nini crosses the line until you cross the line and she can be ridiculous now she can definitely be ridic- ridiculous but I think there's an authentic factor to her that people somewhat connected to and when people when you're when you keep it 100 you, you, you keep it real people connect with you and they like you and they tend to deviate towards you um and i think that's why the biggest lesson i learned is if you keep it keep it 100 you be true to yourself and remain true to yourself even though things sometimes things around you may change if you try to remain constant naturally we all grow and we mature but fundamentally to your core sean if you keep you know who you are you'll be good so i think that's the biggest lesson in reality because you got people you know you start having more access and then you start lying you start cheating you start doing things that aren't who you are and then you get lost in the space um i think even with tiffany with new york I think that's one of the reasons why she's had lasting power even when she's not on our television is because New York keeps it 100 she keeps it real or whatever and you have to stay true to yourself so that's the biggest lesson I learned when, you, when you're true to yourself I think you have lasting power on reality 10 million percent 10 million percent yeah if you could say something to the head of Bravo's social responsibility department, mm-hmm. what would it be? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, okay. Don't be afraid to have uncomfortable conversations. Um, mm-hmm. it's, 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 especially when, when it comes to, you know, like you said, the, the, resp- the social responsibility of it even though you may get backlash, even though um, it may not be a quote-unquote popular opinion, or even Mm -hmm. though all of these white women don't want to have, you know, to talk about race or whatever, it's for the greater good. It's for the greater good of society where you are representing and you're having conversations about things that affect people who are other than white and that's how white people can learn things or whatever so I would say don't be afraid to go against the grain or to go against 
um, you know, um, what's mainstream and go after where, you know, be responsible and how you portray, you know, images and, you know, how you portray cultures and images and things of that particular nature. Just, just, just be comfortable with going against the norm. I agree. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah. I think that the more that you're willing to have the conversations that the fans are having in the comments mm-hmm. and that the people want to steer away from as much as possible, the sooner mm-hmm. you're going to be able to get the audience back. And don't and don't be afraid to, you know, what, what, I, I love people who have credibility and you build credibility by being honest and open with people and one thing I can say about Andy he has said you know you, I questioned some things he's done before you know in the past but he said we don't always get it right we don't always get it right or whatever and someone who can admit that and be honest about that I can kind of work with someone who's willing to admit those things that we didn't get this right we didn't get that right but we're trying to get it right now and this is how we're rectifying it or whatever the case may be. And I think a lot of times that's where you can, you know, you get people who are still wanting to tune in because, or you tap into newer audiences or whatever. I'm not, even with New York, I'm not, I haven't always been a fan of New York, but I'm kind of interested to see what they're going to do with this new cast because they're so diverse, just like how Salt Lake City was or whatever. It was a, a, a very diverse cast, diversity as far as race, diversity as far as religion. Um, so, you know, you oh, you have the potential to tap into whole new audiences when you kind of go against the grain or whatever, or make things uncomfortable or shake things up. So that's that's the type of conversation that I would have with the social responsibility part of, you know, Bravo. Don't be afraid to, 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 to go against the grain. That's beautiful. I absolutely love that. What is your tagline? Oh, oh, what would be my tagline? <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> I used to say back in the day, my tagline would be, I'm not conceited. I just have a favorable opinion of myself. That would <laughs> work. That used to be my tagline. Um. That's a good one. I don't know. I gotta think about that. That's something that I should out. I should already know that. To be honest with you, <laughs> um, you know, I'm not gonna fault you for it because it took me a long time to come up with my own. I, what was yours? I've been. A, I came up with one literally not too long after I started this podcast. My tagline. I come up with two because <laughs> one, I don't think Bravo would ever let me use. And then okay. the second one is just a backup. Okay. So the first one is, I'm totally not aggressive, just black. <laughs> okay. Is that the way you said that you don't think it would let you use that one? I don't think Bravo would ever let that fly. Yeah, they wouldn't let that fly either. That's good. But I would, That's so good I would be so dead ass. I would be so dead. I would be so dead ass. Um, and the second one is now I'm young enough to grow, but I'm old enough to know. Ooh, I like that one. Yeah. Like that one. Yeah, that now that one would get approved. 
<laughs> they would let me use that one. They would let me use that one. They would let you use that. I don't know. Let, let me table that. The next time, if you ever invite me back in the show, I promise you, I'll have a tagline by then. I'll have any time. But as of right now, since it's my first season, I'm not conceited. I just have a favorable opinion of myself. That's the one that we're going to go with on my first season. <laughs> Word. Absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. Now, my final question to you mm-hmm. is, where can we find you and all the things that you want to promote? What should we be expecting from you in 2023? What is next for Alexis Martin? Well, thank you for asking me that. Of course, you can find me on all social media platforms, underscore Alexis Maurice. Um, you go to Twitter, that's why I really tell you how I feel about everything. Um, Hello. <laughs> Uh, but what's what's next for me? I, like I said early in the podcast, I'm really looking forward to 2023. Um, I am doing a. I'm currently in the process of doing a complete overhaul of like branding when it comes to the wind up. Um, I'm actually going to be starting. You're the first to know this. Um, I'm going to be starting a podcast, just like you know, on your platform. I'm going to be starting a podcast. Um, it's going to be released. First episode is going to be on my birthday, my 40th birthday, March 6, 2023. Um, so that episode will be released on that particular day. Um, I'm really looking forward to that um, because, and, and I think one of one of my biggest um, hiccups, not hiccups, but one of my biggest obstacles, Sean, believe it or not, is has been knowing my own personal self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know that whatever I do, I'm going to be great at it. But sometimes I struggle, Sean, with having the idea of doing it by myself. I always felt okay. like I needed to have someone else with me or that people weren't going to really listen to me until I have a trade. Or, you know, um, not necessarily with Brochat because I'm more confident in myself now, but I had mm. to do the work. I really, really had to do some of the work. And when we talked about, when I mentioned before about mental health, you know, my own personal mental health, you know, I've, I've never been suicidal or nothing like that, but just dealing with my own um, personal struggles about self worth and my own self esteem and stuff like that. Um, you know, I have done the work and now I'm confident ensuring myself that I can do this like I can do this what I have to say people want to hear it it matters things like that so I'm going to start my podcast and I'm going to do it alone I'll have guests you know here and there or whatever the case may be and um, you know the wind up will be a part of it or whatever mm-hmm. but the you know my, I'm going to be doing my own podcast in 2023 um, a lot of things as well as I do, um, I work my nine to five, I do work in the television realm. Um, but I also, um, on the side, I do social media management for small companies and businesses and brands. Um, so I'm going to be expanding my um, business. It's called Mad Solutions. I'm going to be expanding that in 2023 as well, too. Um, so, you know, you're going to be hearing my voice and seeing me more along the lines of the wind up and um, my podcast and as well as my social media management and like I said you want to know more about me just follow me on those platforms I'm a I'm an open book you know I'm not 
you know, secretive or anything of that particular nature. So that's what, that's what's coming for me um, in 2023, just fine-tuning my um, Mad Solutions business, social media management um, business, but also expanding my brand and, and moving into the podcast spectrum. And also, I am looking forward to possibly getting into maybe some acting next year. Um, yeah. Moving into the second half of 2023, um, I used to act back in the day, um, and and I was pretty good at it, if I say so myself. And when, when I say act, I'm talking about like plays in school and all kinds of stuff like that, musicals, sure. you know, at church and stuff like that. But I am interested in kind of maybe taking some time to pursue that in 2023 um more so the second half because the first half i'm going to be focusing on the podcast and stuff like that so we'll see how that goes as well too so maybe some acting next year absolutely love that i'm excited to see all the things you have coming next year that sounds like you have a full play yes it, it is and I've, I've been you know the last two months actually three months i've just been you know kind of strategizing and planning and all of that stuff and everything is kind of coming to a head as I close out um, 2022 and moving into 2023 so I'm really optimistic and looking forward and hopefully Sean by the next time BravoCon comes bitch both of us will be hosting a panel or doing something up there next year if you want to do it but that's that's definitely one of my targets to go to hopefully one day be hosting a panel or something like that on you know BravoCon eventually if they let me in the building it's probably going to be one of the strengths that you want to do a panel with me I'll be glad to do it if you ask me I will happily show up in the building honey and we'll have a fresh set of questions yes God uh-huh. But I don't know if just me on the straight of my own mouth, Bravo may be like, listen, you talk too much shit, but I don't know who you be trying to yeah. who you trying to hold the panel with. Like who you trying to do the who you trying to talk to specifically? Of course the housewives world or whatever. I would love to do something even with the American medicine ladies or whatever, because I really with think them. that's one of the most underrated shows on the Bravo <laughs> Network, Married to Medicine. Um yeah. so I wouldn't mind doing something with them. Uh, but any of the housewives, to be honest with you, like I'm open to it. Um, I would love to. Um, I think I would really, really love to do something with the Jersey people. Um, mm-hmm. I think their dynamic is very interesting. Um, and I feel that there are some questions and stuff that hasn't been asked towards those ladies. So, yeah, de- definitely something you know along those lines and i would also like to challenge um bravo a little bit more when it comes to kind of highlighting or recognizing black outlets media outlets Mm -hmm. both at BravoCon, but also even just you know having some of them on the show like how they have some of those people fixing those drinks behind the bar or um you know sometimes they've had certain shows kind of fill in for Andy or whatever. Like I've seen yeah. them like kind of uplift more white outlets or site mm-hmm. white outlets than they do some of the black outlets that are out here covering the Housewives Bravo world too. And I would like to see that just a little bit more. I really, really would. Yeah. yeah. Like if they did like a Bravo chat room spinoff with like 
instead of with like Bravo Liberty, you do it with content creators. Content creators, because because they have done like we've seen some of those content creators be brought up on the show, even if they were asking a question. Even they've had some of those content creators be guests who sit in the chairs next to Andy too. Some some of yeah. those people who do those podcasts and stuff. They've either been fixing the drinks behind or they've actually sat next to Andy them. I would like to see them do that more with more Black content creators as well, too. Instead of just celebrities, there's some really good Black content creators out here who aren't as, um, what's that that horrible housewife from Beverly Hills? Um, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Who said that the Black content creators, that comment that she made, Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Huh. I think there's an opportunity to expand what they're doing with diversifying the housewives. They can mm-hmm. also diversify, you know, how they pour into some of the content creators as well. Too. I agree. I just need them to just get all of their shit together from all the inside. Of it. Yep. So that the housewives they project to us on the outside ain't triggering because yep. y'all be trying it down to the Bravo office uh-huh. and y'all be expecting us to just act like shit is sweet and uh-huh. I really be wanting to cuss y'all the entire fuck out but right. okay yep. but on that note everybody that has been our show I appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in I want to extend a special thank you and an open invitation back to my guest, Alexis Maurice, for blessing the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Sean, I really thoroughly enjoyed myself on today. Likewise, you are an official friend friend of the show whenever you want to come back if you have something new to promote if, if, if you decide you want to do music all of a sudden and you want to drop your single like Holly Red come through <laughs> um, we would love to have you if, if you decide to write a book I would love to host your book launch or, or, or your book tour or the things of the things when the wine up comes back for the new season I would love to have you both back on the show awesome I know Trey would love that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, yes, absolutely. Please come back. Y'all get used to hearing this man. He will be back. And until then, I want to remind you guys to be real, stay in reality, and always bring the realness. Yes. I am Sean Ellis Rogers. This has been Real Reality Realness. And I put the mess in the message. So... Okay. (laughs) Until next time, I love every single one of you from the bottom of my green heart emoji. Misbehave yourselves. See you guys next time. Peace. Peace. Uh, Thank you so much. This has been so fun.